this guy, Lark Davis on Twitter. Ooh, 736,000 followers. That's uh that's definitely a heavy hitter. That's in the, that's in the Wales territory. Uh, he tweeted out Bitcoin is the future of money. According to uh, South Park with this clip. And the funny thing was that then I found this clip because then somebody was kind of replying to it being like, ha ha, look at this idiot. He thinks South Park thinks that Bitcoin is, is the future of money. Um, and I guess we're going to hear this clip and then, <laughs> and then take a side. Is this, is this pro or anti uh, Bitcoin, the endless, the endless sort of debate, uh, which reoccurs in a lot of Bitcoin history, funnily enough, where people who are, who are pro Bitcoin see the same thing as people who are anti Bitcoin and they both take it as confirmation that, that they're right. <laughs> uh, it seems they can't, you know, neither side is sort of willing to, to take an L and say, oh, okay, that one didn't work out for us. Instead. It's like, no, no, this is more evidence. I'm right. Maybe that's just life. Everybody likes to confirm their sort of echo chamber. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today is Sunday, the 5th of December, 2021. This is episode number 34, Coin Commerce Competition featuring Joel Valenzuela. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jed is producing the show. Welcome to the show, Joel. Uh, I guess to give you a bit of an intro, you're a digital cash uh enjoyer and a mm. cryptocurrency advocate and uh i guess of you know living uh bankless or unbanked however you yeah. prefer to say it for uh several years uh in fact probably probably longer than all you know almost anyone in the world uh really whoever had a bank in the first place to be honest uh, a few billion people beat you there but that was by lack of a bank you know to start with uh so i guess everything comes full circle but uh yeah welcome to the show and uh introduce yourself how do you get into uh crypto yeah well thanks for having me guys and welcome everyone in the interwebs hi um uh, so i was uh, this was a subject you wanted to touch on anyway but at some point in about mid 2013 i moved to new hampshire for something called the free state project which is basically just like you know everyone's doing these like crypto cities everywhere like oh miami everyone moved to miami oh el zonte and el salvador let's let's do this everyone's doing this kind of stuff back before it was cool me and a whole bunch of people moved to new hampshire to live freer and on my way over there I met with some friend in Chicago and we had a pizza and he wanted to pay me back for his part of the pizza in this thing called Bitcoin. And so I got some Bitcoin and then within, I, I had like a Facebook reminder of like a memory about within a couple months after that, um, I was like spending Bitcoin at retail locations in New Hampshire. So like November of 2013, which is before almost anyone else went to like a brick and mortar shop and spent crypto anywhere in the world, probably. And pretty much I just was using cryptocurrency in daily life around here because like once you use it a couple of times, I, I was already an advocate of sound money and things like that. Kind of like a, in the vein of Peter Schiff, who's now become a little bit more adversarial, but that's a different story. And once it just clicked that this is like gold that you can actually use as, you know, a payment app type thing that kind of blew my mind a little bit. And there you go. And 
it wasn't until 2015 I was getting more and more interested in the tech, interested in the possibilities, all that kind of stuff. And at some point, I just decided, you know, what am I? What else am I doing in my life? Like, I should probably just dive headfirst in this. So I just said, you know what? As of now, I will not. I will not be paid in fiat anymore. I'll just take whatever will give me Bitcoin. I'll take that. And so that was like the end, like the November, December of 2015. And so yeah, that was the last time I got paid in fiat. So pretty soon after that, I got a job at Cointelegraph writing for them. They were paying in Bitcoin, which is great. And that continued on until like about spring of the next year. Um, I had some issue with a, with my bank and I got, because of that, there was some fraud type thing. And because of that, they were going to close the account. We have to close your account and we'll reopen you a new one. I just said, yeah, do that. Just don't reopen it. And so then I just like walked away from banks, was living entirely unbanked off of Bitcoin for a few more months until, you know, as you know, you can probably enter like Roger Ver voice, the fees were too high and, you know, the blocks began to fill up. And then it just, it was just not viable to live off of Bitcoin anymore. And so then I looked down the list of coin market cap coins of what else, what's the next best thing I could use. And, you know, Litecoin was abandoned at the time. Ethereum wasn't really being used for money. And I'm really glad I didn't switch to that way it is today and the only thing out there i could use was dash and so since 20 late 2016 that's been my primary money uh that was like a year before bitcoin cash existed before the the fork and then since then in like recent years i've used some bitcoin cash for some other things for some things i can't use dash for for example and some other things but mostly i've just been you know living on crypto i have a, a podcast channel and i do some other work for a few other things but yeah basically i've been the crypto guy around here for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny when you say about, you know, Peter Schiff, I mean, he's a bit of a semi recurring theme, you know, on this show and Mm -hmm. obviously in the crypto scene generally, I think two super important points about him recently, Mm -hmm. uh, especially is number one is it's so bizarre that he had, he just hasn't got that. Like we're we're actually doing it, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. the, the whole you know it, it it's great that he says gold 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 but he's been saying that for you know decades longer than crypto has existed and yet there's mm-hmm. you know hundreds of thousands or millions of people or whatever in the world right now who are actually using crypto as money and have got partially or, or fully in your case out of the fiat mm-hmm. system and that's what it's supposed to be all about and it's so bizarre that he can't embrace it just like it's it's actually working. This is it. It's 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 happening. He's so hung up on it's not happening the way I imagined it or the way I would prefer it to be done. Even though he could he could switch sides at any time. He could he could mm-hmm. be out <laughs> himself out of the fiat yeah. system. But you know, I think he's running on a first impression still. Like the first mm-hmm. impression any smart person has when they hear about this like digital money stuff is skepticism, right? You should be. The very mm-hmm. first thing is like, this sounds like a bunch of nonsense. And then you look into it and over time you figure it out. And I kind of feel like he didn't continue trying to figure it out. But the th- to be honest, today I value his input on crypto because I don't agree with a lot of what he says, but he has some very good points about like, yeah. he was like roasting Nayib Bukele over like wasting taxpayer money on like buying the dip all the time and stuff like that. And, and, you know, as the old saying goes, like if, um, 
if the Sahara Desert was put under government management, they'd have a shortage of sand within a year. And it's yeah. kind of the same type of thing. I'm pretty sure, I'm, maybe this is just me being really, you know, <laughs> a little bit pessimistic, but I, I can imagine that El Salvador may lose money on Bitcoin, right? They might mm-hmm. find a way to like, oh, you know, it's just another, just buy too many dips on the way down and then just be, just default on things, lose keys. I don't know. It's the government after all, right? So that's also a lot of Peter Schiff's objections to crypto seem to be directed at Bitcoin BTC specifically. And yeah. a lot of those are kind of correct. I mean, he misses some ways that Bitcoin still has utility today, but he's kind of right that it's more of a, it has a little bit of a pyramid scheme element to it of, you know, you you want the bunny to go up. And the only reason the, the value is going to go up is if more people buy. And if they're buying just because it's going to hold its value and go up, then they need another sucker coming in. And like, there's a few really good points he makes about it. It's just, he misses like that. This is one of the most important like moves forward for humanity in like hundreds of years. Like this is huge. And he, like, I, I think he's just looking at that big, you know, orange B logo and like the stupid people on Twitter saying, buy the dick, hold a Lamo and all this kind of stuff that he, he kind of misses the rest of the picture. He's been there for a long time, though. I mean, he did get, you know, he was introduced to it back when it was more of a currency. And the funny thing, I think, is that he he still, yeah, he just doesn't engage with it, really, because now he's sort of becoming this almost, you know, contrarian celebrity. Like, I saw he was hanging out with uh, Pompliano and what's his name, Peter McCormick, the other day and stuff. So he's kind of starting to relish that even more. So I guess that's going to, you know, reinforce his sort of anti-brand <laughs> status. But even he, like, his Twitter feed is becoming coming more and more just constantly about Bitcoin because you can't ignore it, you know? And the, the interesting thing is about it when I did a show where I talked about his, um, his takes and his son Mm -hmm. who, you know, is into Bitcoin and it's this amazing, you know, duality of like where Peter often loses the argument with his son. And the reason he loses is not because he's in the wrong, but just because he's, Mm. he's lacking the education. If he learned more about crypto and he learned about Dash and Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin and Ethereum. If he he hasn't even got mm-hmm. that far, if he got except to say they're just inflating the supply and therefore it's an infinite supply of nothing. If he got past that and started attacking Bitcoin on its weak points relative to mm-hmm. other cryptocurrencies, he would have a lot more ammo. But uh, he has, you know, he's just blanked it all out. Um, in his mind anyway that's enough about uh, peter schiff for today yeah. uh, for today's show so yeah let's crack on then with the price is down uh, a little bit usd 449 dollars and 48 cents for bitcoin cash earlier today uh the bdc to bch ratio is about 1 to 109 so bch has been down but it's been fluctuating quite a lot actually it's been uh up in the the 90 range down to the 110 range so it does move around um quite a lot so i mean obviously you are now living you know entirely on crypto has that changed the way that you interact with the the price like for instance do you see it more as as your wealth like i do uh fixed in cryptocurrencies and then the sort of usd fluctuates against your crypto rather than vice versa or do you notice it in the price of you know regular goods you know like a sandwich is however many dash or you know how does that work for you yeah i do see 
uh, more of like a fluctuation of purchasing power. Like it, it to me, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I have to account for in terms of like, you know, what are, what are your holding? What's your net worth? It's like, well, that's those, those numbers on the blockchain. That's what uh, constitutes that. And so it just, it's something going on sale versus something becoming extremely expensive. That's kind of the thing. And it's, you know, I think it's, it really makes you more, um, I would say, efficient and hardy at dealing with risks. Because if you think about it, if you're a salaryman, you get a paycheck every month or twice a month or however long, however often that is. And you have extreme certainty in your life. You have that. Your expenses are very fixed, especially if you're in the typical U.S. corporate world where then you have a you if you own a house, you don't really own it. You have payments, you have car payments, you have everything like that. It's all very safe and stable. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur, it's anything but that. And this is especially compounded locally here in New Hampshire, where a lot of businesses get a lot of uh, of their customers during tourist season. It's a big tourist spot. And so some um, some restaurants won't be profitable most of the year. It's just that when the summer tourists come in, all of a sudden you get this big influx in money and that kind of evens things out. And so it's the same kind of a thing. It's like you're a personal business, right? You just, you know, there's good good months, bad months, whatever. And you just have to be able to, you have to be flexible to, you know, kind of ride those waves. So like when you have a big astronomical pump, that's when you go buy a lot of things. And then when everything's down in the dumps, you make sure to be very careful with what you spend. And you, of course, you have to make sure you have continuing income all the time and that no one's, you know, paying you too little, right? And then also you find ways of saving money that do not involve, um, that kind of supersede whether the price goes up or down. So like, for example, if the price takes a 6% tumble, but you're saving 10 or 11% on a purchase because, you know, some whatever system you're using allows for that, then, you know, that's a lot better. Or if you, oh, you lost like, 15% 15% of your net worth because the market's dipped, but you're having some earning like 20% APY in some like yield pool or something, then it's like, okay, that works out better. It kind of, it kind of pursues, it kind of drives you to pursue, you know, utility rather than just, you know, keeping in a very static and safe and stable pattern. Yeah, I think people sort of under, like there's so much, you know, sort of back and forth about people, oh, we need a solution to volatility and we need this and that. But I think in the at the end of the day, maybe a lot of the solution to volatility will just be on the individual side rather than there mm-hmm. being all these. I mean, there obviously are more and more tools to lock things to stable values and whatever, but even, uh, you know, locking things to, to a fiat currency value is kind of a bad deal because you're losing out there. So mm-hmm. you've got to really be willing to pay that premium for, for that, you know, quote unquote stability, right? So in that sense, I think, you know, a lot of it is just going to come down to individuals learning to manage their finances differently, the more involved they get with, with crypto and probably honestly for the better, because when you are on a sort of more sound monetary system, even with the volatility factored in, that's hard to get over initially. But once you get over that initial hurdle, it's actually a lot better, which is you don't need to, you're not like fighting against the tide. Basically, you're not swimming upstream instead over the long run, you're actually swimming downstream. So, uh, a lot of it, yeah, you know, play plays into it, uh, 
that way, I think. But yeah, basically, crypto's had a had a bad week in the uh, in the markets this week. So you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's it's bad. Uh, as far people, as the yeah, yeah, go on. They still have fiat exposure. It's great. Like that's the problem. Is it's been what can I say? Something like five, six years since I have been able to buy the dip. Yeah. Right? Like I have not been able to. In fact, I I'm not even sure if I've ever bought crypto with fiat. I think I've earned everything I have. Like wow. from as far as like amazing, payments yeah. and salary and stuff. But I mean, if you're if if you're one of these people who has fiat, which is ninety nine percent of you, buy. I mean, it's an opportunity, right? If you believe in the stuff, you believe in the technology. Which if you do believe in it, you should be educated in the reasons why you do. This is a good opportunity to like number because number go down means number go up later so if you get a yeah. lower number then it goes up i mean some people might just be like okay well bear market confirmed i'm gonna go start buying in two years and like all right you can do that too or you could buy now and then maybe it pumps a little bit more and then you spend it on things and save some money there and then i don't know i'm not anyone's financial advisor just, yeah. just these <laughs> are some none of this show there. is yeah none of this show is financial yes. advice uh yeah at all uh but anyway uh, yeah that's exactly it you know and i think i I also just find it hilarious that so many crypto people but i'm buying the dip and it's like every single time they say they're buying the dip and it's like you claim to be all in on crypto this is the way we're going hell yeah why would you ever own fiat blah 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 and then you're still buying every dip come on either you know the story doesn't add up either you're grandstanding which i'm sure happens a lot and also there's just a lot of lying. You're not actually buying the dip or you bought like one buck from your little buy the dip stash. You know, anyway, the point is the free market sorts it out. So uh, mm-hmm. you can't be, nobody ever made money tweeting how much they were buying the dip. So good luck to them with that strategy. Um, right. As far as the transactions. So we are down a little bit this week for BCH, but uh, seem to, you know, a new little floor there at about 65,000 transactions uh, a day bca uh, bdc you know was uh, dipping down closer to 220 again so you know still uh, more than like 25 uh, percent of the volume but it was looking like it was creeping up a bit i actually don't know why it's been kind of uh, rocky recently that there was any particular services that came or went offline or any flood of interest i don't know maybe in the bear market everybody's just hodling their coins a bit uh and less likely to spend them uh like like we were talking about do you do you follow the sort of transaction numbers like even in in dash or anything do you take any anything out of those uh stats yeah i used to there was a period in my life which was maybe i up until a year ago like a a few years like two three years where i watched transaction count daily of like a bunch of different chains and i really think it's useful information still it just it's so much less instructive oh, than what you might think it's the trends you kind of want to look at um i mean obviously bitcoin btc has been on it's been at capacity for let's just say five years right it's been basically constantly at capacity with different levels of demand for that you know different values that people were willing to put behind that but still it's been pretty much flat and sometimes you even see it go up because there is some extra capacity in there somewhere but you pretty much see you know it's like that uh the thing is when with all these cheaper chains for example 
like anything with very low transaction fees, it's really difficult to make sense of just numbers because anyone can just kick out a transaction over and over and over. It just doesn't really matter, which is, you know, example BSV. Again, I want to pick on them too much, but just like right out the gate, as soon as it's split, like, oh, it's like Satoshi's real chain and look at all his utility and like right away the transaction jump into the several hundred thousands a day and not just, you know, oh, we did a gigablock test. It's like, it's constant. And it's like, well, there's some weather app that's kicking out this and oh, then that stops and then there's something else. And it's like, how many transactions? It's not really instructive at all. Ethereum's transactions are very instructive. Now, um, when you start to see percentage of block reward and fee starts to creep up that's much more instructive i guess but it, it's still like you don't really see that in a significant way on not at capacity chains but it, it's very important to like look at all this one thing i, I looked at a lot was also uh meet like obviously total value moved could be a good one the problem that's is the next could, one yeah send usd yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll just go to that one and I'll talk about that. That minute. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's, you know, sort of to carry on, that's like, I agree with you, obviously, right? You can take something out of the price. You can take something out of the transactions. You can take something out of the cent in USD. Together, they're about, you know, 10% of the picture, right? So that's why I like to do those at the start of, of every uh, show, you know, and then obviously followed by the analysis of what's actually going on. To me, that's obviously the main thing, right? But for the cent in USD, BCH has been, you know, still doing about 5 billion a day, which is way ridiculous. That's like half the market cap, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. probably, you know, the highest coin there is of any of the significant ones uh, in terms of how much value flows across it every day relative to the, to the price and, and BDC has been sort of jumping up and down in this kind of weird pattern, uh, I guess, as the volatility in the market kind of uh, ramps up and a few more people try and sell in, a, in or out. Um, yeah. but yeah, how do, what do you take away from these kind of metrics? Yeah. So I, the big caveat, if it, first off, if it's a metric, anyone cares about, it will be gamed, uh, which is why again, the BSV thing, I believe there are some people who are trying to game that metric, but like I could move, like you could just take a whale and just move their money back and forth a couple times. Oh, look at how much got moved. You could. It's just when you start seeing the consistent patterns, like with the up, down, up, down, up, down, we see on BTC there, that's, it's clearly a pattern. It's clearly the, the pulse of the way the network works. And the consistency of that is pretty obvious that a lot of exchanges or large providers like that have regular shufflings of some kind. Like they regularly cash out on a certain basis. They regularly transfer to whatever there's there's some big players that are regularly moving a big chunk of money on a regular type of a basis and so that's kind of what you see there now the the thing that makes it a lot um i guess murkier is as things such as the you know liquid if anyone even uses that and lightning network as that stuff starts to grow and you know lightning didn't grow at all like for years this year you've seen some actual growth but then it becomes much more difficult for the on-chain metrics to actually tell you anything. Like at some point you might just like have a value moved by BTC be like re- almost nothing, like very little. And then every few months, all of a sudden this big, like all this money changes hands, but it doesn't actually change hands because it already changed hands on the lighting network, but they're just settling up into the real world and just 
kind of switch kind of uh, switches across. I also like to look at um, median transaction value because that just tells you what's the most typical payment size. And that's a re- it's really hard to um, it's, it's not really hard, but it's, it's a lot more difficult to kind of fake that because if you have um, like, if you have a few large transactions that can move the average, but then if you spit out a whole bunch of tiny spam transactions, then the median transaction volume is going to be like a, a penny. And so it's like, well, that's not a real payment. Right. And so it's, it's one of those metrics that's harder to game, but it also doesn't mean this is being used for valuable things. It just means a lot, a lot of people are using it to move smaller amounts. And what does that mean? Could be anything really, but I just like looking at all this stuff. I'm talking about all these numbers and basically they mean nothing. But they do mean something. You just don't know what they mean. It's just, I like to look at them because you can kind of start to deduce things or debunk certain things or like the network data doesn't hold up, you know, against certain claims. But on their own, they're just information. They don't, they're not really definitive. The one thing over time, total fees generated by the network on the networks that have fees, not all of them do, um, that tends to be something that's hard to gain because it's, it's literally money lost and no one's going to be losing a big chunk of money every month, like maybe for like a few weeks, but not every month just to push that number up. You know, it's got to, they have to be getting a return on that investment. So that's, that's the most interesting metric, but the problem is it only really applies to like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and maybe like, Avalanche, maybe Binance Smart Chain, maybe like, there's a couple others that maybe that that there's a blip on that radar, but for everything else, it's like zero point zero 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 one percent of the block reward is in fees. Yeah, and I, yeah, I guess all these different uh, numbers, like for instance, I've been really interested in the fact that as the like you said, BTC mm-hmm. is it's kind of it's kind of at soft capacity. Even the blocks mm-hmm. aren't even full, but the miners aren't really bothering to pack it in all exactly tight or there's not enough sort of fee competition or whatever the hell is going on. So it's kind of slightly below that. And if that ramped up a little bit, you know, the fees would like rocket. But instead what is happening is the average uh, uh, thing sent is has been going like at a 45 degree angle for, you know, six or eight months or whatever, which to me sort of indicates that basically just the smaller players are just finding their way onto other chains and new small mm-hmm. players are routing around BTC. They're coming to BCH yeah. or to any of the other millions of other chains. The same thing's kind of happening to Ethereum. You know, people just take one look at it. They don't even make their first transaction. They just move on to a different um, <laughs> network. And meanwhile, yeah. the people they, who are still in that ecosystem... Paycheck. They yeah. put their whole cha- paycheck into Ethereum and they want to move it onto Uniswap and this is not enough funds. Yeah. Just, and they're just like, all right, it. it's time done. to sell out <laughs> back to uh, back to find the next thing, right? But, and, but they can't because it costs too much to move it. So they're yeah. just stuck with this like... But I, I, like, I don't think people, people, here? people don't even get, yeah, I guess so. I, people don't even get, uh, get on chain though. That's what I'm talking about. Like if you, uh, if you're new to crypto now, you buy it on Coinbase or whatever, and there's no fee or whatever. And then as soon as you try and send it anywhere, it's suddenly like, wow, this is expensive. I better not do that. Let me just sell this and buy something else. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that, uh, kind of happening as well too. Um, 
but you know that's just uh that's just my speculation really right so on to the actual news so first uh news item for this week huge huge news in my mind coinflex and bitcoin.com two very large uh businesses that are both very bch friendly uh, have signed this $30 million cooperation deal. It actually wasn't really clear what money was going where, but I think basically Bitcoin.com maybe paid Coinflex $30 million in exchange for Coinflex uh, now providing the backend infrastructure for their exchange.bitcoin.com and also so that Bitcoin.com could add into their wallet, they could license the sort of yield um products and the so-called amm the automated market making stuff that coinflex um does uh and not coincidentally coinflex is also the one who's running the uh bridge to smart bch so you know that also is going to be on the sort of uh agenda here soon too so this is just absolutely massive news to me for the you know it's good because obviously it's a great uh cooperation between those businesses and it does sort of move the bch scene forward in the sense that the the community is has sort of like bottomed out and is starting to get the idea okay now we're gonna we got to start making money and that's got to be what's driving things rather than sort of like ideology i mean the ideology has got a long way and that will remain part of it but the actual Mm. you know once you start backing that up with with companies that are making money reinvesting back into the scene that will be huge and i also really want to make a point to everyone listening that i just think this is so bullish for pch i mean when am i not but this in particular because uh it's sort of like in you know in an army you need to have every little part of your army doing the right thing right you got to have your infantry doing the right thing mm-hmm. and then you you know heavy artillery doing something and what and your helicopters doing something and this is sort of like where the when people talk about the network effect that doesn't just mean peer to peer consumer like payments that's a big part of it but the other part of it is in your scene the bigger players in your scene you want them to be starting to kind of sync up with each other and that's what we're seeing here uh coinflex and uh um bitcoin.com are are teaming up and then not coincidentally you know jihan wu has developed smart bch and now that's adding into that and they're able to do all of this because the protocol development is fairly stable so all these Mm. sort of bigger pieces are starting to like click together uh and create a, a stronger ecosystem for everyone so in that regard if you have that going on which we're starting to see as well as you know the smaller things like lots of small little content creators coming up or just more memes going around on twitter or you know those sort of individual action things you want to be seeing that and you want to see the big players making big moves right and that combo of things is what makes a a successful community if you only have one or the other then like the you know for instance with btc they're the classic of they only have the big players right all the small Mm -hmm. fish are have vanished and then you have a lot of smaller coins where it's only small fish and there's no big players uh so yeah i I, i'm just you know think this is absolutely fantastic news but uh yeah any thoughts on this yeah i mean i just um so last week i believe i just interviewed uh mark lamb for my channel i haven't released it yet but i was chatting with him about you know big moves that coinflex is making as well as getting the big rundown on smart bch because i have to be honest the actual like marketing and presentation of it is extremely confusing. Like me as an eight year crypto veteran, I just like 
what is smart smart bch and then i someone sent me some infographic and i'm like this makes no sense this is like <laughs> i have no idea and so then i had to actually chat with mark to like figure it out i'm like oh okay yeah yeah i get it now and i think that a lot of this what's missing to a lot of people and this is like a lot it's it's so funny to me sometimes when you have people who are complete free market advocates who think they know what the market has pre-chosen you know they're like okay well i believe in the free market and this is what everyone wants that sounds kind of like social essential planning to me you know it, it but it's an easy trap to fall into it i fell into it a little bit saying like oh people want peer-to-peer electronic cash and they do to a certain extent like and they will a lot more in the future i believe uh but the number go up use case is number one and i i'm not saying that in a derogatory way i mean there's a lot of like speculation gambling and stuff but people want to make money people want to invest and the fiat world is what it, i mean the, the fiat world prices the little guys out everyone who's not a little guy in the fiat world is putting their money their opportunity cost for that capital to work getting more money doing things and the little guy like a chump has it in some savings account where they're just losing money all the time. And then they just think like, Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll let my company invest in some retirement account, but it's just really for the tax benefits. I don't really like, they're not really at the table, but then DeFi is really where that started to click in people's minds where it's like, Oh, you mean I could buy this and then I could put it here and I could put it there and I get more of it. And like, Oh, I mean, I can actually like, retire not at 65 or something if i can retire at 55 or 40 or you know you mean maybe i can earn a little extra and this whole revolution that's really what has utility to people i mean uh like when i buy my coffee no government in the world could censor that or stop it or inflate the transaction yay me i still bought a coffee like everyone else like i did it in like a more like self-righteous way than everyone else but it's still like i didn't do anything no one else can do and but if you then have something in let's say DeFi or some investment or something like that and it's actually you're actually putting your money to work growing your wealth in ways that the little guy can't because of you know investor laws and regulations and things like that in the old fiat world that's something new and people are starting to figure that out and so like when people are i i, I like i want to um kind of separate the number or go up into three little three subcategories there because in the past it was like a lot of speculation which is saying i am betting that this project will be huge it'll be like the next apple or tesla or whatever that's going to go up so i'm going to put money on here because i'm betting it's going to go up in the future there is almost all that right now there's a little bit of that too but there's also a lot of just investment people just want to put their money into like allocate their capital in a way that's useful and they get rewarded for their opportunity cost of what else that could be done there's that one but there's also like the the meme coin thing is gambling which speculation is kind of like gambling but it's not the same like no one is putting a coin into a slot machine in a casino being like maybe i'm gonna own a piece of the casino that like is the biggest of all no one no they they know they just want to maybe i'll get some back and there is a gambling use case i don't I mean, I don't believe in it, let's be honest, but people are buying Doge and Sheeb and all these other things because they want to gamble. They want to just like, part of it is, some of it is 
they want to get more money. But a lot of it is also just the fun of gambling, which I don't really get. I don't like that risk. I live my life plenty riskily enough already <laughs> without fiats. I don't need more risk. But some people, they love the fun. They love to be able to put the money in and be like, oh, maybe I'll be a millionaire. And even if they lose it, they don't care because they got that that rush. They got that feeling of like, oh, I got to dream for a day. And so that's kind of what people want. And it is good to see, you know, the smart players starting to wake up to this fact. It's like, oh, why can't I do, why can't I provide liquidity on Bitcoin Cash? Like, oh, well, that's a good question. Let's make it so you can. Oh, like, why can't I X, I can't Y, why can't I Z? And now it's, it's kind of waking up to, you know, the needs of the modern market, which is not like a, a kowtowing to, you know, a lower value demands. It's, actually just being a free marketeer it's actually giving the customer what they want yeah exactly and i think a lot of people are kind of down on you know well especially people in in bitcoin cash who are more ideologically mm-hmm. driven or you know uh perhaps even you know like like you and, and me are, are sort of more mm-hmm. in it for you have to be able to pay if you can't pay it's not mm-hmm. money you know uh but i'm I'm still not, you know, super disappointed. It would have been nice if the message didn't get all distorted and things had kind of carried on with the, you know, larger block size, mm-hmm. the sort of original vibe that Bitcoin had. That would have been nice. But in lieu of that, it's actually not the end of the world that people are finding all these other kind of ways around it. Because the main point is people getting the idea that this is valuable and it's something you should want. And as soon as you have that, then it's only a matter of time, you know, uh, of that cogitating around in people's brains before they think, well, if somebody wants to pay me back with this, why wouldn't I take it? Or mm-hmm. why don't I ask to get to, to get that instead? That will happen naturally if it's something that's the the key point is that it's desirable. If it gets to be desirable, the payments mm-hmm. will come eventually. Uh, it's more about making that leap. And so since it's finding its way, you know, through the cracks, uh, I, I'm sort of optimistic about uh, about that aspect of it. I don't think it's really something we need to, you know, freak out about if a lot of people are trading Dogecoin because all those people, they're never going to hate crypto. Even if they lose all their money, oh, well, you know, or maybe a couple of them will and yeah. be upset it was a scam. But the majority would just be like, I knew what I was getting into. This was kind of fun, but obviously a Dogecoin can have value. So why can't a Bitcoin or why can't some other token? And And, and it teaches people a lot in terms of, the way crypto does work, which is that things have value because people value them. Now they might value them for all different reasons. Like for instance, mm-hmm. you know, basically a Ponzi scheme in Dogecoin, but they might all value some of the other coins because of monetary fundamentals or because mm-hmm. there is a legitimate, you know, round of investment going or some technological innovation or, or whatever that mm-hmm. can provide that seed of community. And then once you add a community onto that, there's your value. It's just money is just something you trade with people, you know? Yeah. And it's also important to to see more people are getting crypto and what the, what the payment coin kind of use case is spending your crypto. But the, the thing is it's, it's difficult. Like Bitcoin cash is not very good at letting you spend your fiat. You know what I mean? It's like, if you you have fiat, that's all you got is fiat. And you're like, well, use this because it'll help you spend money and not be censored. It's like, well, I got to buy it 
and then I got to, you know, like deal with all that headache, which is, involves a fiat transaction, which can be censored. And then you got this stuff that now you can spend. And that's always like a, it's just a harder use case. But like when people have crypto and it's just trivial to just swap it over and then you spend it, then all of a sudden people are going to really want to spend it. It's just that no one had crypto and it's just like, buy this thing so you can get rid of it right away. It's like, what, what? But now everyone's having it. Everyone's into this stuff. It's like, I think that the, oh, you can spend your crypto everywhere kind of hype train. I mean, the use case, the practical thing has always been there, but the hype train, I think, is going to come back around in a few years. Yeah, I agree. Give it a, yeah, give it, give it another, another, yeah, year to three years. There'll be a, there'll be a tipping point of everyone rediscovering cryptocurrency with the currency in like all capital yeah. letters that will that will kind of come around and that'll be mm-hmm. huge boon to uh bch i'm sure and also you know several other currencies too but primarily um bch so yeah and one other thing i just wanted to mention which i didn't put on the slide but which is sort of semi related to this is i saw that coinflex have uh done a deal with doug poke the poker player and got him on as a brand ambassador and that also i find immensely immensely bullish because he was talking about bch a couple of months ago and he was a bit iffy about it but he obviously likes the team at coinflex he gets on with mark lamb he's got it. and so now that idea is going to be getting into his head and it just goes to show that same thing that if you prioritize coinflex making a lot of money well then now that you know you're able to just buy people onto your site that's the crypto strategy really more and more and more people who are like middle ground on crypto or even against it once they get on the payroll now it's all crypto all day so um (laughs) that's i can just see i can just see those pieces locking together kind of in the ecosystem uh which is great for me to you know uh, great i think um Mm -hmm. really positive looking forward all right so we've got uh in a similar vein kim.com was sort of announcing semi-announcing this new project he put out a tweet he said 2022 will be a big year for crypto and especially for bitcoin cash which is kind of what he's been saying for a while soon millions of new users will be introduced to bch with frequent rain showers of cash we've been working on something special to enable mass rewards from businesses and influencers to their community so i mean this was this was hype if it was sort of believable I, you know i mean i'm a bit middle ground on Kim's announcements at the moment because he spent all of this year announcing that Bitcoin Cash is the greatest thing ever, but he was going to do his project called K.IM, which I talked about on the show at the start of the year when he was first announcing it. That was going to come out in quarter four of 2021, and he then later has sort of delayed it and said it will be on January 22nd, 2022, which is the 10-year anniversary of the raid on his house. So that sounds Mm -hmm. awesome, and I guess we'll see in January, right? But there's been a lot of like, this is going to be sick, and not a lot of, uh, not a ton of like follow through. Uh, so it's kind of weird that he's now announcing this second thing, which is completely different uh, and kind of comes out of out, out of nowhere. Um, so I'm I'm really happy for him to put up some results and drop any of this stuff, uh, and I'll be first in line to check it out and and be excited about it. But it it was definitely the idea sounds good. But I'm seeing a lot of ideas and not a lot of execution here, really. So I don't know any any take on that. Yeah. So I remember many years ago when I was writing regularly for Cointelegraph, I covered 
Sukim.com. He in unveiling some new project that he was going to run. It's going to be on Bitcoin. He's going to use Bitcoin, all this stuff. And that was like 2015, maybe 2016. And like, oh, this Bitcoin's going to run on Bitcoin and stuff. And then that just, I don't know what happened to that. And then he's like, oh, Bitcoin Cash is the one I like now. And he's like, oh, this cool big project. Oh, it's going to be great. And like what I've learned with this individual in particular is it seems like he he's the effective hype person, right? He's a larger than life personality that like talks about, oh, this is going to be cool and like gets people excited, which is a valuable thing. It's it's also to where I do not take his word as gospel. Like it's kind of like even among the most honest people in the space, this is still a very experimental space with so much uncertainty and just the odds of delivery are a little like or lower just because of that. And when you deliver something, is it going to be good? Is it going to work? I don't know. And it's amplified when you have something like uh, someone like Kim. I, I'm not trying to like hate on it. Let's be clear about that. I just, I, it would be great if some, he did something cool. He's been talking a big game. So we'll, uh, I'd like to see what happens, what really gets delivered and then see what that's going to be. But then again, I'm also remembered, uh, reminded of things like EOS. Do you remember when EOS was the next big thing? And it was like the Ethereum killer, whatever. And then at some point, you know, which is, and people liked it based on what it actually did. But the thing is they sunk like $140 million, I think, into voice.com. And like, I don't know if anyone used it ever. Like it's, it basically destroyed the entire project. It's like, you know, this social media platform that doesn't exist anymore now, just like never worked. And it was like the biggest thing ever. And I don't think it was, I think it was all legit. Like people really thought this was going to change everything. And it just changed nothing except for the fortunes of EOS holders, you know? So I don't, I don't know what's going to like these. I think that when big things are not able to be predicted, I think that you, they come out, you see them, you try them, you're, then you say, oh, this is a huge thing. I need to tell everybody about this thing that exists. But things that don't exist are not huge, I don't think, because they don't exist. And when they exist, if they do, they might not be huge. So I'm just, I'm going to just like watch them with that little side eye for a while. Just like, okay, okay, Kim, let me see what you got. And then when he comes out with something, then I'll be like, oh, well, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's put a date on this one uh, in, in January of 2022. That's when K.IM is supposed to come out. So we'll see if there's something comes out of that or it's sort of more, I don't know, mm-hmm. delays or, or sort of excuses or rationalizations or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Everyone in the crypto space, just hell, everybody in life is sort of guilty of, okay, you say you're going to do this and then you know, it doesn't always come through. I mean, classically, for instance, Elon Musk, like he has so many haters who just, oh, but Elon said they were going to deliver this many cyber trucks at this exact time and blah, blah, blah. He didn't do it. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. well, he didn't do that, but he did also like change the fact that everyone thought, you know, EVs was impossible or unviable. And now it's huge. Like, you know, you've got it. So there's there's a bit of uh, a bit of leeway, you know, to anybody to, to talk, talk it up and then, follow through or you know not to differing extent so you do have to kind of take that into account and i I don't want to be you know seen as hating or trashing his uh stuff because it might come out and be sick i really hope it is um yeah but to date 
you know, we're just, we're just lacking a little bit of that. And it's funny that that mirrors the, like you were saying about the Ethereum killer and, you know, the Ethereum community themselves are quite chuffed about the fact that every chain now thinks they're the Ethereum killer and the joke for them is haha, but they're not because we're still number two and we're still doing great or whatever. But it's, it's kind of a weird middle ground because they, they can't be too excited about too many Ethereum killers because they didn't, they didn't come from nowhere either. Like, obviously, if if they if Ethereum was doing great, there wouldn't be no such thing as Ethereum killers. But even if they haven't got it right, clearly people are throwing darts at the dartboard, you know, uh, trying to figure out something different. And, and there's a problem that the Ethereum community haven't solved or haven't been able to, you know, sort of bring everyone everyone back so i guess it kind of comes to talk being cheap by the ethereum killers to say we're an ethereum killer doing it is different but on the other hand it's also pretty talk is pretty cheap on the ethereum side to say no we're going to fix our problems with fees proof of stake is here eip 1559 was going to fix everything then it didn't you know there's there's a lot of uh a lot of you know expectation versus reality going on in in cryptocurrency i think that's for sure. Especially, I do think with Ethereum, it's a big, it's a big uh, compliment that there's so many people that have like most of the market today is Ethereum killers. It's literally trying to do the thing that you do best, or you you do the number one. You're at the number one spot, but it's also a little worrying that so many are Ethereum killers slash replacements and not compliments. So many of them are trying to be the next one because they see like, why would you try to compete with something that's absolutely killing it? You know, you wouldn't, but when you see, you start to see weaknesses then that's when you kind of start circling around the world will start to circle. And so that's kind of what they're seeing. I think Um, who the thing that worries me about Ethereum isn't so much. The fees isn't so much that there's so many killers slash competition out there. Uh, it's that same kind of attitude of, you know, we're not going to really fix the real problems. And I didn't really see this. I just thought, oh, well, Ethereum 2.0, we'll see what that does. I was kind of, that was kind of my attitude because I'm not hugely up on Ethereum. But then I started hearing, um, well, whatever the fellow's name is, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he runs Blockchair, the, the Block Explorer, and Nikita. And he was talking about how first off he predicted the ip 1559 would change nothing in terms of the fees and it it did add this very interesting possibly deflationary aspect to ethereum but it which probably ratcheted up the price significantly but it didn't do anything for fees and it was like a it was a segwit it was such a bait and switch where they're just like no this is a scaling solution they put it well and like how come did scale well no it's for other things you know don't worry about that i'm like really really this again and then just the talk of like oh we can't raise the gas limit i.e block size because oh we want everyone to be able to run their node who cares if no one can even move their money like without and all that kind of stuff and oh yeah just wait proof of stake will solve this it's like well it won't solve that like you should be working on this first and there's a few of these things and then the funniest thing and is i'm not hating on ethereum either i think it's it's pioneered a giant chunk of the space like nfts tokens DeFi, all this stuff that's like huge and a huge part of the future of the human race all like started on ethereum for the most part so i'm not hating but the other thing is ethereum maximalists is, is pretty funny it's like you didn't see how the 
silly the last batch look like oh everything's everything else will die everything's a shit coin except ethereum like oh boy here we go again yeah i mean that to me that that is it and i've brought it up a few times on this show but i've just found it really really interesting it's it's kind of like cope you've seen the classic one that i've seen most recently has been if you go on reddit.com slash slash cryptocurrency well bch is heavily banned from being discussed there just a heads up to everyone uh but uh anyway they they they're big fans of ethereum in there a lot of people like ethereum and so there was these sort of comments that i was seeing from people which kind of were going along the lines of somebody was saying oh bdc is doing this and then somebody else says uh ethereum is doing this because it's better in this way or whatever and then you would have somebody come in at the end of the chain and sort of say no you guys have got it wrong it's like two apex predators you know it's like a shark and a tiger they're both you know the kings of their like domain but they're not really directly competing and i just thought oh man this is really like getting bad because the the bitcoin community their their whole stick is where the one and only which once upon a time they were but they aren't because mm-hmm. they have you know for all the reasons we've already covered in the history of this podcast and then yeah. ethereum is now coming in and they're trying they they first they were like we're going to be not the not bitcoin but now they're sort of falling into the exact same pattern and and trying to sort of be like, well, but we could be next to Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's just yeah. kind of like, it's the same, it's the same thing happening. Yeah. All over again, exactly. Like you said, historically apex predators are some of the most vulnerable to environmental changes. Just saying. Bam. That's, that's, that's a quote. I gotta, I gotta tweet that out yeah. at some, at some point. I'll, I'll credit you for that one. That's a, I'll, that's I'll a tweet it quote. out. Maybe I'll tweet it out and you retweet it or something. That's, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Just tag a few people who love Ethereum. Well, see if you can find an example of somebody popping out this meme and then get it in the replies, you know, uh, or just, that, just tweet it straight out. But then like every day in the comment just mention another like <laughs> shitty influencer like tone vase try and try and drag them into the debate you know, <laughs> yeah i just you know i i have actually had like a two and a half hour in-person debate with tone vase before and really um, I, I should I, my check spirit, that out my spirit never recovered oh, okay i'll have to uh I'll have to check that out. I do. I do follow what Tone Vades is up to. Actually, it's uh, I think very informative. Actually, to keep keep abreast yes. of what he's uh, what he's thinking, the sort of segment of the market that he he's speaking for or representing. It's certainly interesting to see what's on their uh, what's on their mind. For him personally, I don't think his words always align with his beliefs. He's a little. He's not as dumb as he comes across. He's a little of a caricature, you know. So I'll give him that leeway. He's a little, a little performative. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, maybe he hams it up for the camera a bit too. I, who, who knows? All right, next thing we've got is South Park had a little segment on Bitcoin. So I'm going to ask Jet, hopefully, if he can uh, play this on the stream for everybody to... Uh, it's only 30 seconds long, and I actually haven't seen the whole episode, so I have literally no context for what this was sort of surrounded by. But as far as I could see from the discussion, this was sort of the, mm-hmm. the key moment. It was not like a whole episode about crypto or anything. It was just this sort of little 30-second um, bit here. Yeah, so this comes from uh, <laughs> this guy, Lark Davis, on Twitter. Ooh, 736,000 followers. That's uh, that's definitely a heavy hitter. That's in the... 
that's in the Wales territory. Uh, he tweeted out, Bitcoin is the future of money, according to uh, South Park with this clip. And the funny thing was that then I found this clip because then somebody was kind of replying to it being like, ha look at this idiot. He thinks South Park thinks that Bitcoin is, is the future of money. Um, and I guess we're going to hear this clip and then, and then take a side. Is this, is this pro or anti uh, Bitcoin, the endless, the endless sort of debate, uh, which reoccurs in a lot of Bitcoin history, funnily enough, where people who are, who are pro Bitcoin see the same thing as people who are anti Bitcoin and they both take it as confirmation that, that they're right. <laughs> uh, it seems they can't, you know, neither side is sort of willing to, to take an L and say, oh, okay, that one didn't work out for us. Instead. It's like, no, no, this is more evidence. I'm right. Maybe that's just life. Everybody likes to confirm their sort of echo chamber. Welcome to the Super 12 Motel Plus. Can I help you? Yeah, Stan Marsh, I have a room for one night. Okay, I see you're in one of our Mach 10 Super Plus rooms. Now, of course, we only take Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency because, you know, it's the future. We've all decided centralized banking is rigged, so we trust more in fly-by-night Ponzi schemes. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, super, super slick little... uh interaction there but the basically the point was that this uh lark davis was saying oh bitcoin is the is the you know future of money or whatever is what he says in the clip but then of course the haters were saying yeah but duh, it's south park it's sarcasm like oh it's so the future of money kind of thing and i mean my takeaway was twofold firstly that mm-hmm. maybe threefold firstly that south park is you know it's on point here. Like things are, this is in the, it's in the zeitgeist, you know, people are thinking about this, this conversation is happening. So if they're bringing it up to me, there's no such bad thing as bad publicity. The second thing was that uh, as much as there's sort of this, you know, tone or or snark or whatever in, in the actual clip, well, a it's South Park and it's satirical, but also B you know, he, the guy does just then one tap pay with Bitcoin and he's out of there. They could have made it. Oh, I, I couldn't get this to work or like whatever. So despite the actual yeah. discussion, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They only accept Bitcoin. He pays, it's done and he's out of there. So to me, that was sort of pretty pro Bitcoin. And the third thing was that he actually says Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. So that's kind of the zeitgeist that we're at now is mm-hmm. you don't need to introduce Bitcoin at all. And you also don't need to justify or explain like there's Bitcoin and there's Ethereum and there's blah, blah, blah. All this, you, do, you don't even need to uh, get into that. Everybody's kind of on, on board with that. So from my perspective, the people who were saying, ha ha, South Park said Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme. You are missing the point. If, if South Park is saying the word Bitcoin at all, that's good for Bitcoin. If they're saying it's a Ponzi scheme, but showing someone paying with Bitcoin, that's even better for Bitcoin. So that was my uh, take. What, what did you think? I, I can't imagine being some person who tries to psychoanalyze as like a scientific document humor. The most humorless people in the world it must be so sad to be those people that see a joke and are trying to say well this joke is clearly saying witty commentary on this therefore it should be taken 100 percent seriously yes humor does include a lot of witty commentary a lot of the best stuff is humor but it's supposed to be funny if you chuckle at it i mean like it it's parodying you know like a lot of people today are 
into cryptocurrency or have heard about it or talking people that don't even own any or like, I think Bitcoin's the future, hashtag HODL. It's like, I know people, friends of mine, who are like now tweeting about a HODL. It's like, you don't have any crypto at all. I know. You don't have anything. What are you talking about? But because it's there, it's just like an easy parody to be like, "Ah, in the future. 20, 30 years in the future, everyone's spending crypto. It's like, haha, that's funny because that's a thing in my cultural zeitgeist today and it's being represented in a funny way in the future. It's not like, well, the oracles of South Park are predicting that this is going to happen and they're, they're saying in a positive light and because of their blessing, because of these stick figure drawing, comedic cartoon people, they give credence to the value of my monetary system. Like, Come on. It's it's funny. It's funny. That's all it is. <laughs> Don't read into it. The only thing you can read into it is if they're talking about it, that means everyone's talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, well, I think that's where it comes from, especially people on the sort of hater side. But I will admit, yeah, also definitely on the crypto side, people are, like I said before, are trying to divine into it their own they're trying to confirm their own bias, basically. They're, they're seeing what they want to see in the mirror kind of thing rather than um, rather than understanding, you know, that uh, it, if it's, if it's you know, South Park are not necessarily taking a, a position in that way. I just want to yeah, hop but, in real quick, too, because yeah. um, Spotify did their yearly wrap-up, and there's a whole slide in that, in that thing that millions of people went through, right? And the slide says, while everyone else was trying to figure out NFTs, you had one song on repeat. Like, everyone's talking about cryptocurrency, whether or not they're involved. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's getting, it's, and it's getting, that's why we're going to see, probably, I would think, in the next five years, basically, there's going to be a tipping point at which it's just going to be like the FOMO to end all FOMOs now because literally like massive percentages of the global population, you know, maybe upwards of 50% are all in the situation of like, wait, everybody I know is talking about crypto and a lot of people I know or some people I know have got crypto and now everybody's buying crypto and now it's going through the roof and, you know, this is all a bit confusing, but I, you know, like the sort of the, what's that bell curve meme of like early adopters, that's no, not even a meme, yeah. but early adopters, innovators, early adopters, sort of early majority, right? We're like creeping into where we're about to hit that sort of early majority phase of just like the floodgates open and people just just uh powering into it and that's the kind of um you know groundwork that is being laid culturally by by these kind of uh mentions yeah my gut feeling is this cycle and the next will be the fomo cycles but after that it's just gonna be boring it's just people are going to start using it en masse, but there's not going to be a splash. It's just like, oh, all of a sudden, everything. You know, you can spend your stuff everywhere. I mean, how, what I would love to say, what I would love to see is just throw out a word to the global, let's just say the global first world population, right? Just let's not, how many people know what the word MetaMask means? Like, I think, Many, many millions, probably. And how many have actually used MetaMask? Several millions. Like a lot of people have. Like how many people have bought a newest NFT of whatever, even if they just didn't, they just hooked in their credit card and hit buy. And then it just auto did in Ethereum. They got the thing. Like a lot of people, but like some of the more 
popular like pop influencers and stuff. I mean, I was watching Hot Ones the other day, which is this YouTube show, a interview show over progressively spicier chicken wings. And Mila Kunis was on there talking about her new show, Stoner Cats, that has like, you know, uh, like a whole bunch of people like Kevin Hart and a bunch of celebrities voicing these animated like Stoner Cats entirely funded by NFTs. And NFT holders get to decide where the story goes in the future. Like it's kind of choose your own adventure type thing. And it's, it's like, well, this is today that like one of the literal biggest stars behind like, and um, her husband, Ashton Kutcher was, he, he's been a big crypto guy for years, but he was also like literally the first Twitter celebrity, like before anyone cared about Jack, right? He was the first guy that everyone was following on Twitter, like at the beginning of Twitter. And like some of the biggest names in the space are all about this stuff now and not just talking about it or like Floyd Mayweather, oh, buy my weird token that I'm going to get sued for by the government later. It's like, no, it's like people are making businesses around this today and big people are and it's not going to be too long until like you just, it's not going to be like announcing planet Earth. We are all using crypto now. Celebrate, pop the champagne. No, it'll just be, you start to see everyone do it. You'll just quietly notice your apartment complex have like a little like coin payments little option pop up or something it'll be something like that and it's like oh okay and then they'll have like two percent of their volume in that and then you know by a few years later like 58 percent or something it's just gonna be quiet i think yeah well i mean as it goes it's a this is something i think yeah you know crypto you know uh heads crypto people have been in for a long time um you know probably like like you and i have uh really or, or like jed has as well you know uh, we've been everybody has imagined and understood this idea of an exponential taking off but there's there's kind of several overlapping exponentials where the first one is like you know brand recognition right how many people had heard the word bitcoin how many people you know and then it kind of comes the second one how many people had heard it five times and then how many people understood what that meant and then how many people had made a crypto transaction and then how many people were using it as their primary form of money like even so that bell curve is still like quite at the you know the fringe edge right but each of these overlapping waves is just slow as time moves on i should make a little graphic or something of this because mm -hmm. that's really what is explaining what's going on as each of those waves just sort of slowly moves forward in the in the future i think i've even commented to somebody on twitter somebody said something like haha you know according to bitcoiners you know everything is good for bitcoin and that's a bit of a meme because bitcoiners just like to say that but the fact is it's actually true that time passing yeah. is bullish for crypto because you can't unhear about crypto you can't unlearn how a blockchain works you can't unrealize that fiat money is just one thing that people use you can't unlearn the phrase mm -hmm. fiat money you know how many people knew the word fiat money uh 20 years ago and so if you talk about me, pretty much just me <laughs> i didn't i definitely didn't until because <laughs> i was in like the gold bug stage like from the very as soon as i remember what money was i was in that stage because like i grew up in the north of mexico and i saw like the two different currencies and my grandmother had a bunch of old pesos i'm like oh what are these oh they're no good anymore we have new ones why was there new ones well this this money went kaput this one didn't work and they just made a new one and so and it's seven to the dollar. So 
but it's actually seven thousand to the dollar but they just cut off the, the zeros and now it's just mm-hmm. yeah that, get rid of those zeros it's seven and then today it's like something like 28 to the dollar or something it's like the inflation of the peso versus the dollar has been like and then the dollar and the the dollar is inflating itself yeah yeah it's just like i never really believed in fiat to be honest i don't know it's funny that you have that kind of uh story i'll be interested to hear what jet says right because my story was you know i was the opposite to you right where like Mm -hmm. you say you're living in a situation where the currency is unstable and but you're kind of skeptical i you know grew up in in australia and i you know in canberra australia the the capital uh you know the most government uh political you know place on earth basically uh and there when i was a kid i just remember reading the newspaper and i was always fascinated by the interest rate because the newspaper had all these sections okay there's somebody you know some local matters where i don't really care about that but there was a sports section and in front of the sports section which nobody read was the economic sections i was always just like what is going on here and every time i read it i never understood the uh rba the reserve bank of australia how they were setting the interest rates because a everybody was always freaking out about it it didn't matter whether it was going up or down or what everybody just no one knew why either they just exactly supposed to freak out that's right and everybody was always clamoring about that but it wasn't affecting what i was going what was going on i was not i was never thought you know with my money i don't go down to the shops and they're telling me about what the interest rate is i'd never heard about that but what i found really odd was that they had these uh people uh who were in charge of the interest rate and it was like the wizard of oz or something it was like how do they know what's going on i've never had one of them come and talk to me when i (laughs) 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 exactly exactly but as a as a kid i was just like this makes and so when i tried to talk to anybody about that i would sort of get these kind of roundabout weird responses that i was like that's clearly not the answer like what where where is how do they know what to make the interest rate because they don't even know if i bought a chocolate bar or not last week i know that for sure so yeah once you and that's just me if you multiply that out by 26 whatever i don't know 21 million people in australia they don't have any idea what's going on like how how would they know to get the, the there was some magic number that they could perfectly get right that didn't make any sense to me so that was that was kind of why i was already uh primed for um for this jet i don't know do you have any uh do you, when when were you skeptical of money and finance? Mm, I don't know if I could say that I like I didn't I don't think I got skeptical until I got involved in politics. Um, as a kid, uh, I grew up in a pretty poor household, and so I like did like farm labor and like blueberry raking and uh, ridiculous labor jobs uh and like Mm -hmm. even even in elementary school i remember me and my friends uh would like make and sell bracelets and at one point we rented out a whole room from the school and we we got shut down because other parents were coming in being like our kids are spending all of their lunch money on these stupid little trinkets um so i i was kind of interested in making fiat for probably like you know a good 17 years of my life <laughs> and then uh yeah. and then um i started a small business and kind of started looking into what was going on in the world because it was affecting that small business and that's when i was like the whole game's rigged i want out 
Yeah. There we go. All right. So we've got three different uh, origin stories there. We've got Jet the entrepreneur, Jeremy the macroeconomic analyst, and uh, Joel the hyperinflating uh, economy. So that's yeah. uh, that's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting little. Uh, little trio of uh stories we've got there wow but uh yeah anyway it's just funny how uh how you you know once you scratch the surface of these things the sort of the threads um yeah come apart random not very useful troll comment but i figure it's appropriate uh you mentioned 21 million australians and it, it <laughs> yeah. was a, about that when bitcoin was created there was 21 million australians 21 million bitcoin it's Craig, Craig Wright. Wright. Craig Wright's Australian. Just saying, I got he all knew. the documents. He knew it was all. <laughs> it was all a game plan all along. Uh, yeah. That that was the conspiracy. Every Australian could have one. So luckily, I did have one, and now I don't anymore. So <laughs> rip me. <laughs> I may as well just give up my citizenship. What kind of uh, Australian am I if I don't own a Bitcoin? That's true. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so then let's move on to this sort of uh, topic that you kind of suggested to me that you would be a, a bit of an expert on. I'm definitely very interested to hear, uh, which gives its uh, title to the episode, Coin Commerce Competition, I've called it. Uh, a bit of a discussion about which coins can actually hold up under real world adoption scenarios. Funnily enough, like this uh, South Park clip, like, right, that literal mm-hmm. thing, you show up, you're somewhere, you want to buy something, and uh, how that all goes down. And I also want to tie into that a little bit, uh, maybe some thoughts. We've kind of already touched on it a bit, but let's think about as well too, with retail outlet payments experience, is that even necessary? Because in the early days, that that was what it was all about, right? And now mm-hmm. the industry has moved away from that and it's all this DeFi stuff and NFTs and different, you know, other ways of people getting involved in crypto that are more online friendly, you know, more scalable, don't require as much logistical hassle. And so is Mm -hmm. everything going to come back around to these retail payments at the end of the day? Or is crypto going to take over just because everybody's trading it online, just sucks up all online commerce, and then finally intrudes on the real world? Or, or how's that going to go down, you know, in your mind? So the the ones I've got listed on the slide for the listeners, uh, which I think you actually said you could talk about, it was BTC uh, and subsequently like Lightning Network, Dash, Bitcoin SV, Monero, Zcash, Doge, and BCH. I've used all of these coins except for Zcash. So that would be my... I'll I'll put in my comments afterwards. So hit me hit me with the rundown. What's what's the pros and cons here? Yeah, so I've I've used all of these. I've bought something with most of them. It's not I a couple of times in the case of Zcash and Monero, for example, uh those are ones where I acquired some because someone wanted to spend them and they couldn't and so I, they gave them to me. They did spend them with me as a proxy. I, I used Dash and they, I got that. So uh, let me just look at this list here. Uh, let me, what we got to remember with this whole thing is the actual merchant adoption type deal, the actual utility for regular payments. It's such a, it's such a, there's a million different like facets to the whole thing. But basically, uh, any coin on that list, anything that's, I'll be perfectly honest, today, anything that's not Ethereum 
you can send and receive pretty easily. You know, even BTC. BTC is like, it, it has been horrendously expensive and slow in the past. Today, it's a little slow and expensive, but not not atrociously. And with Lightning, of course, that's a, a different situation as well. Um, let me just let me just start with like the the least of the competitors on this list. So <laughs> okay, um, all right, from the bottom, starting from the bottom, starting from the bottom. You know, now now we're here. So I would try to think. I'd probably put Doge at the bottom here, and spe- specifically because first off. I think Doge has the capacity for on-chain scaling all this other stuff, but because like the protocol level fees were set to like one Doge per transaction and then the price pumped and it was like six months of it being extremely expensive to use, it just doesn't make any sense. And the horrendously underdeveloped infrastructure around using it for anything other than like trading, it's just like, why would you? And it's, you know, oh, Elon paid attention for two seconds and there was a pump like, mm. I'm not really convinced. No one who's buying it wants to spend it. And I was watching the, we were talking about the transaction charts. That was very instructive because Dogecoin was doing like 30 to 40,000 transactions a day consistently. And then it became popular and those plummeted, which is hilarious. It's like, oh, everyone, now it's like actually being used way less than before people knew what it was because it just became too expensive for these little micropayment kind of things it was being used for. A lot of people were probably using it for arbitrage, right? With Bitcoin, where they're like, I want to move Bitcoin to a different exchange, but Bitcoin's too slow and expensive. So I'm going to just swap it for Dash. I'm oh, sorry, swap it for Dogecoin. I'm going to move it to the other exchange. I get a confirmation very quickly and then I can do it. And that all evaporated. So no one's, the thing about Dogecoin though is today, and I mean today and not tomorrow, like not for very much longer, there is a demand placed on retailers to accept it for payments like amc theaters in the u.s has been had a lot of pressure they're looking into accepting sheep which is going to be a hilarious nightmare of fees because <laughs> it's an ethereum token and not only have to pay ethereum fees but a uh, token is like a smart contract operation and it costs even more to move than a regular piece of eth so that that's something just no good um next i would probably you know, much of the chagrin of some of my friends, I probably put Zcash on there just for the moment because I feel like Zcash, and this is, and I am a fan of Zcash, and I wish I could use it more. I believe I treat it like a science experiment at the point at this time because it's got you know rock solid tech, but almost no one is seems to have interest in using it at all. Like it just. They want to develop it. They want to talk about how cool it is. And then they want other chains to adopt this technology. I don't know. Something like that. It, like the places I can actually spend Zcash are almost nowhere. And also like the primary reason people would have used it was for its privacy technology, which most wallets did not even have until pretty much recently. Pretty recently, it was really not suitable and in fact i remember in the early days of zcash like within the first year of it existing for six months maybe uh, a friend of mine's privacy advocate actually purchased something at a retail shop with a shielded transaction which was hilarious because he brought his laptop opened up his command line wallet and found a way of getting like the shielded address in there and it took like several minutes to like compute the proofs to actually do it and it was like it was uh, like that's dedication right there 
but it still was just not not any good. Now I think it's like useful, but who's actually using it? Like who wants to use it? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. And then next I would go down over to Monero, which to say something quite positive has its special feature on by default all the time. All the transactions benefit. I mean, obviously there's there's so much more nuance that conversation. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now, but uh, it works for what it's intended to whenever you send it. And to the credit of the community, as I'm sure the problem with Monero is like the transaction um, data you have at what I was just saying is not useful for transparent chains. For an oblique chain, it's like that much less instructive. You have no idea who's doing what and the fees are actually pretty cheap right now. So who who knows if people are actually using it, but I do see a lot of services that accept it. A lot of people are using it on, you know, for various things. There is an actual demand to use it. It's like, it's got a, a sort of a, a, like a Bitcoin cashy zeitgeist behind it of like people are trying to spend it on things. And, you know, sometimes it's just to like buy children over the internet or something sketchy like that. But, you know, sometimes it's for legit things like coin cards is a gift card service, I believe out of Canada, or uh, I could be mistaken, but Monero is one of the highest performers on that site. And it, it's probably because it's the most uh, prom- the, the most useful way you can spend Monero out there. Like things like BitRefill and other services don't accept it. And purse doesn't accept it. And, you know, gift doesn't accept it. E-gift or all those kinds of things don't accept it. So, yeah, I don't think they do. So that's kind of where it is. Um, maybe, so BSV is a tricky one. It's really tricky because I, retrospectively, I'd probably put it, I mean, by the way, I'm done with the, the after this, I'm done with like the, the ranking in terms of, like I, I, now it's a little bit more just like open discussion on pros and cons after. But so- yeah. BSV, uh, have you ever used HandCash? Nope. So HandCash is a username and contactless-based wallet that was developed by, you know, it was developed for Bitcoin Cash originally for a very brief period of time. And then the fork happened and then they went with BSV. And so basically you could get a dollar sign handle, like instead of an at symbol, just dollar sign handle. And you could send and receive to that handle. And there you go. It's just like, no, get rid of all those long cryptographic addresses. It's just that easy. And I believe every time it would generate a new, it wasn't a static address. Like most of these naming systems, it was like a new, it would use the XPUB key. So you get a new address every time you'd send to the exact same username. And you could like put that in your phone. So you just send it to Bob, send it to Karen, whatever. And then, I mean, that's, something we really need in crypto today. And unfortunately they went over to BSV, which everyone trying to spend stuff was on the Bitcoin cash side. And then BSV, you know, you know, it just kind of died off a little bit, I believe. And the thing is, I believe hand cash, because I haven't used it in a while. I you know, don't want to talk too much smack or whatever, because I, I really like the team. I really like the product. I believe they've gone into more of a KYC type, direction where it's not as permissionless and you know it's like you just buy like right in the wallet and things like that but it's like the whole thing you need to have your phone number to get an account or whatever and you know it's not a direction i i like but that like that alone is like one of the best tools and then they've had things like the money button and relay x and a bunch of like really one click 
pay buttons integrated that just make they've had a lot of tools that are probably i would say best in class almost for crypto merchant adoption but just not a lot of actual use case and whole also a lot of like centralization and middlemen and so like a, some stuff i didn't like but like credit where credits do they did a lot of really good you know work on that kind of stuff it, the problem is just you know bsv and they don't care as much about you know not your keys not your crypto they don't care as much about other things and also there's all that like funny business of which extends to a certain extent into the bitcoin cash world but it's much more reasonable there of zero conf is everything now the bsv side of it is a little bit more like it's instant it's perfectly instant right away and it's like well there's a lot there's a reason why transactions go into a block. You can't just say that. It's just like, there's some funny business. The biggest asset, so any pay is, and if you could find a challenge, what I'm saying, please tell me because I'm looking for other solutions as well to talk about. Any pay is the absolute best merchant point of sale app in the world for crypto, hands down. And it's, for example, it just produces one QR code and you, you enter the amount, pay, one QR code, no matter which currency you're paying with, you can scan the same code. And then by the time your thumb leaves the send button, it's already confirmed on the other end. It's just super seamless, amazing merchant experience. The people that run that are huge BSV maximalists. And while they support a few other coins, such as Bitcoin Cash, it's a little like they keep thinking everyone's going to be using BSV through this thing. And I just don't think it's going to go that way. But so that's a very long-winded thing on BSV. On a structural thing, like all these coins work on a structural level the exact same way, basically. Some have different fees, et cetera. And some have shorter block times, like Monero and Zcash and Dogecoin all have shorter block times than 10 minutes. And then we get into the, <laughs> let me just look up the- Hang on, yeah, let's get Jet. I think Jet's got something to say, maybe about the hand yeah, go cash for it. app. Yeah, uh, it seemed like maybe he's got some insight there. It sounds like the kind of thing he might have tried out. Yeah, so I actually did the very first um, coin roll um, that Handcash mm-hmm. ever did. So, like, I think we had something like 40 participants all around the world. And it was essentially like the whole lightning torch idea. But this happened before the mm-hmm. lightning torch. BTCers suck it. Um, so, <laughs> we... Um, yeah, using those handles were really basic and, and simple, and um, mm-hmm. it was a great experience. But I think, um, uh, I don't know a lot of wallets that are using it now, but if we can just use like a mixture of cash accounts um, and mm-hmm. reusable payment addresses or reusable stealth addresses or whatever that might be, then that'll effectively for the user give them the same experience. Uh, and they just need that clean, polished package that, um, I mean, really any app developer can slammed together yeah. and can do but haven't i mean there's still a lot of work that goes into it but it's yeah it's more about you know some implementation time needs to be spent rather than fundamental you know issues yeah. in in sort of, of figuring it out yeah and bsv does have good funding i gotta give them that it's all that craig wright and calvin Air stuff yeah um, but then some other stuff too the challenge with bsv is the tone taken and just like all the nonsense, the aggressive nonsense, like they somehow became more toxic. I mean, not, not all of them. Some key figures in the BSV world became more toxic than a lot of BTC maximalists. And as the underdogs and all that, 
they ended up getting delisted from tons of exchanges and a lot of service providers just won't touch it. It's just like, you know, it's like cancer to them. And so as a result, that has severely diminished the utility of BSV for payments to where they've had to build a lot of their own infrastructure and world and stuff from scratch. But like the rest of the crypto commons, so to speak, they're kind of not in it. And so if you're trying to live off of BSV, it's a, it's significantly more challenging just because of that. And I remember because you know, my good friend, uh, Kurt Wicker Jr., who's a big BSV guy, I was trying to like find solutions for them to set up businesses to take it and all this kind of stuff. I was trying to help them get their own like local BSV community using it every day, but just so many challenges. So many exchanges wouldn't support it for conversions. So many service providers, it just was a disaster so if they'd only been a little bit nicer they could just be another one of these things on there but i guess they're not so that is what it is all right so now we've got the 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 big three i guess yeah bdc lightning dash and and bch yes so the bdc lightning one is interesting so basically btc as a payments system in terms of adoption has receded significantly and is kind of coming back a little bit now that like interest in people, Oh, now Salvador, blah, blah, blah. And then some people are more interested as a internet money. BTC is kind of okay today because what are you going to pay in fees? 50 cents, a dollar. It's not ideal, but it works. And then, Oh, you wait 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Okay. It went through whatever it's, it kind of works and is it is accepted a lot of places like almost most places but depends on the the acceptance between btc on chain dash and bitcoin cash it's to a certain extent comparable although in very different ways um obviously number in pure numbers btc is probably number one uh but uh, some of those aren't some of those integrations aren't as quality like there's someone there some that have been specifically developed for the other two that make it much more useful than just the breadth of that but btc in person for transactions is always going to be a little bit of a a nightmare and one of the reasons why any pay is able to do those that really easy fast merchant solution is because of the use of uh, bip 70 invoices and i mean that's a big thing in the bitcoin cash community and obviously BSV as well and Dash as well. Uh, but because of that, I, I believe Bitcoin Core deprecated the feature now. And it's now like the Bitcoin where like the the Bitcoin wallets are starting to go away from being able to support that. So that, that means that if I send a transaction to a merchant and it just, I sign it over to them and they're the ones that broadcast it, they have more control over it. it or it's just the risk of a double spend in those long 10 minutes or more you have to wait for a confirmation is just significantly reduced but like and it's worse with btc of course especially because they have replaced by fee so for in-person merchant stuff it's it's for the for those who want a novelty but almost everyone in btc is trying to pay with it is using lightning and lightning has some big backers and some big places you can use it but it's not as far as actual acceptance it's nowhere near i i do i don't think it's anywhere near what a bitcoin cash or a dash is today you can use it at a few key services you might conceivably be able to almost live off of some of it 
Um, the thing is, and the experience of using lightning is inconsistent, I will say, because I've used lightning as of this week. I ran a node for like six months or however long it was until I got tired of that. And if you're using it via a node, it's just like that's hobbyist to the max. It's like, I don't know, it's it's like flying one of the Wright brothers airplanes or something. It's like, nah, it's 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 a nightmare. But most people use these trust minimized mobile wallets, which are sort of like a, a light wallet on a, on a on chain, but are you need to trust a lot more. But you, you like you don't have to give up control over your funds, which is nice. But everything else you give up control over, like they and they're free to charge whatever fees they want and things like that. And so, because of that, if you're using that, it's like so. For example, this week, I had to pay something that did not that for whatever reason they didn't take dash and i was like okay well i'm if they're not going to take dash they're not going to take bitcoin cash either usually in this kind of vein but they did take lightning so i'm like all right well i'll swap some dash over for there's an exchange called fixed float which if you want to try out lightning it's a great idea because fixed float will swap directly into lightning so you can swap say some bitcoin cash into lightning to a lightning wall you don't have to go to btc and then put it on chain but so they didn't have a direct channel connection with async which is the largest node in the entire lightning ecosystem and so they charge like a 13 dollar like it's a 13 dollar i think it was something like that they charge like a an activation no a dollar 30 so i'm sorry for <laughs> it could have been 13 dollar different day but like a dollar 30 or dollar 70 like around a two dollar like activation fee, like to open a new channel because they needed to do that. And so, but now it's all good on lighting. When I paid the invoice, it went through very quick. It was great. Three cent fee, right? Now that's on lightning, right? Lightning is supposed to be super cheap. The thing is, and I'll, I'm going to have to do a video later explaining how it's not going to be cheap long-term. Maybe it'll be cheaper than on-chain, but it's still going to be. So then it's three cents, which is like a hundred times more expensive than like Bitcoin Cash or BSV or Dash or BSV or any of these things right now, maybe. But anyway, that's kind of like the Lightning experience. The problem with Lightning is it's super inconsistent. If you get any Bitcoin Cash address and you scan, you send it, it's just it's going to go. Same with the Dash address, except the difference is with Dash, there's only one address format. In Bitcoin Cash, it's mostly one address format today, which is fantastic because I hated those early days when it's like, no, the wrong one. Oh, I have to do this address converter thingy. But with Lightning, the chances of your transaction getting routed are never 100%. They're always dependent on a lot of factors. Like there's like five different, or three, I think, different kinds of lightning invoices like sometimes they can just give you an invoice without an amount some wallet support that some don't then there's an ellen url thing and then there's some other direct key send to like the public key they're, and they're not they're not all compatible depending on your wallet so you could you roll in the dice if you can even try and then once you try it's like well do you have a direct route there you don't always have a direct route and then if you do do you have a direct route in the amount that you're trying to send because every hop reduces that statistical thing. And so if you're trying to use lightning, it's already frustrating trying to use cryptocurrency, even the best, right? As much as I'm like, Oh, everyone live on crypto like me. It's like, yeah, but it's, it, there is a challenge. It's not like it's, even if it's smooth, it's like not every story is 
that takes it is super well trained to do it. The infrastructures can sometimes be a little, little weird. Why make it worse with something that might fail half the time? It's like, imagine if you tapped your card, if like half the time it was like error or like, uh, didn't figure it out. Like you wouldn't use it. You just carry cash everywhere. You wouldn't. And it's the same thing with lightning right now. And like, I don't really see with that inconsistency, it really taking off. I mean, it can over time, but I don't, I, I'm a little skeptical because of that. But so like all these people are like, oh, don't use lightning today. It's like, you can, but it's, you're going to have these issues. It's not, it's going to, and that's why pretty much no one lives on lightning is because it just, it's a little clunky. Any other questions on that before we move on to the other ones? Well, I just think it's interesting because, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the, you know, tagline of this show is following Bitcoin Cash and Australia's global reserve currency. So I do truly mm-hmm. believe that it's going to, you know, come out to be number one. And while there will still be a lot of cryptocurrencies, you know, uh, the fact that it, in my opinion, will be scalable and it mm-hmm. will get, you know, it has the monetary properties and the brand name and all that. And it will sort of get a critical mass network effect for real payments like we were talking before all the different uh things going on on chain but actually just two people who want to you know mm-hmm. make a transaction i think it's going to come out um the best there and i mean i'm not an expert on the lightning network i've been reading up on it more but i sort of feel like i know enough to know that it's not going to make it like for instance the fact that it is already a three cent fee when it's supposedly mm-hmm. so cheap and and everything like that so i don't know maybe that's something uh to to put in the conversation as well too there about whether whether you can see that being a likely or even a realistic scenario or whether you know um what what sort of coins are kind of in the lead to like sum up Mm -hmm. uh, all of this right yeah i should uh like add a couple of things that are about so lightning um if people want to spend Bitcoin, Lightning is going to succeed. I don't know if it depends on what succeed means, actually, but it will become relatively standardized because if you want to use Bitcoin, on-chain is just not going to cut it long-term at scale. And so people have to use something like this. And honestly, I think it's going to be a lot of providers like Strike that are, you know, centralized custodial things that aren't, don't actually use Lightning for like a lot of things. They just, again, there's a lot of assumption because it's not, it's closed source. I don't really see what's going on, but I'm pretty sure if you send to another strike user, you don't have your own mini like pruned lightning node or whatever they call it, or light lightning node that's sending to you other users. I'm pretty sure they just say this much in our big pool is allocated to this customer now on their centralized ledger. That's not a lightning thing. And then you, they use lightning connected to the couple other big hubs that they, they have to transfer to exchange or back or whatever. And it's just that once you want to go to like peer to peer lightning, then that's when it starts to get complicated because then you might not have a connection to your node or whatever. And then your node might not, and it becomes a nightmare. But as far as this, like mostly trusted ecosystem type thing could kind of develop. But one of the reasons I believe that if it actually uses lightning, it's going to become more expensive is because if I want to, if I'm a node and I want to relay transactions like the Bitcoin.com wallet, whoever runs you know that node, the nodes that relay those transactions, the only cost is the cost of running the node. And if more and more people use it, you might have to like have a more robust node, but that's about it. There's not a lot of costs. The problem is in order for anyone to receive $10 worth of lightning funds, the 
provider has to allocate $10 just for that customer. So if you have a, if you have a million users who only have $10 of receiving capacity, not even funds, receiving capacity, you need 10 million of Bitcoin just sitting around just to service them. And it's not like no one will be able to do that, but that's costly. It's a lot of opportunity cost. And with DeFi and like, you know, Thorchain and stuff like that, letting you actually get like return on your Bitcoin and stuff in a semi-trustless way, you're competing with that. And so you're going to have to drive up costs in order to, to feed that. So it's pretty much like 10 to 50 cents or something might be like lightning transactions in the future, you know? And uh, the bigger the transaction in terms of like the value of it, the more expensive it'll be. Whereas like, something like say on chain anything you want to have a bigger transaction if it has a high-ish fee like with ethereum for example because then it's worth it uh, but so things like strike that allow you to get your paycheck directly into lightning accessible funds are a huge boon i think for that ecosystem and then there's a few companies such as BitRefill, which i use BitRefill constantly because they accept dash unfortunately no bitcoin cash which is sad because the owner is a maxi i believe yeah i've sent but, them a couple of emails being like hey guys i would use your service but you don't take bitcoin cash and they just ignore me and that's fine i'll spend it somewhere else so we're just yeah. not going to do a deal until they break down and if they don't well tough but i would be a customer tough luck guys yeah your ideology shoot you in the foot there they so they might be amenable to adding bitcoin cash in the future if there's like overwhelming evidence of demand. That's just my, a, a gut feeling of mine, but it is an uphill battle. But they do take Lightning, which is means you can use Lightning on a lot of things. And if you use, let's say, the Phoenix wallet, which uses the async node, the largest node on the network, paying to the BitRefill node, which is one of like the top five largest nodes on the network, you know there's going to be a connection. It's probably going to work. And so it's like if you use like a couple of these two big providers, you can kind of do pretty well. So that's like the good part about Lightning. Now, uh, I have seen Bitcoin, Cash, and Dash kind of grow up side, side by side in the ecosystem. Of course, Dash had a significant head start, but also a significant not head start because things like purse and BitPay and all that just you know, never, never cared. And it seems like in terms of adoption, um, it seems like they're almost mirrors like almost the same except it, there's like a couple of like differences that i think probably in some ways cancel each other out uh depends on where you are like for example like ge- geographies like bitcoin i mean dash is still the top or sometimes number two to bitcoin most use cryptocurrency in venezuela for payments at these large supermarkets they uh, what is it? Um, crypto buyer just released their stats and it shows, okay, well, that's what most people are using there. In Australia, I don't know anyone who's using Dash in Australia. I mean, I know some Dash fans from Australia, but they don't seem to be, you know, using it very much. So that's probably, you know, a big thing over there. Thailand, for, I mean, Japan was, you know, Bitcoin Cash stronghold. Thailand for a while was like a Dash stronghold. And I don't know what's going on now because it's all locked down anyway. And like, you know, it's hard to tell. Like there's different geographies where things are, are stronger. Like up here in New Hampshire, it's I, I it's really hard to tell, but it's a majority of Dash transactions, I think, especially in the coast over here. Bitcoin Cash is very likely number two. And then you have some Monero in here or there. Um so depending on those kinds of things, um 
And things I like the most about Bitcoin Cash that is, so purse is a good thing. I don't find myself using it very often just because I can get Amazon credit on BitRefill and get like 1% off on that. And it's it's just a lot easier. Like I want to buy something now and I literally just go to BitRefill, buy the Amazon code, I get it instantly and plug it in, I'm done. Whereas with purse, you, there's a little bit more of a game, but you can get a big savings by using purse. So purse is a big thing that's standing out for Bitcoin Cash. Um, another thing is obviously like BitPay and Coinbase Commerce, which neither of those am I a big fan of. I'll say they have a kind of like crap experience, but a giant number of merchants have integrated with just that. Like if if any company is like, oh, we're going to start taking crypto payments, it's 99% chance it's going to be one of those two that they just do. And it's 99% chance no one's going to use it for the most part. But like right now, that's where it stands. And because of New York state regulators, Dash is like not on there because New York state regulators heard the name mentioned alongside all these evil, spooky, dark net words. And they're like, oh, that's no good. And so it can't be Coinbase and BitPay. Coinbase supports Dash, of course, but Coinbase Commerce and BitPay don't because they want to just support everyone. They want a uniform experience. They don't want to like have like a, every Chipotle say integrates with BitPay. And then for some reason, their customers can't pay in Dash in New York. Like they don't want to do that. They just keep it off the whole thing. So those are the most frustrating things, right? Um, for for the, the Dash thing. But those are two big things that, that Bitcoin Cash has. And is kind of like a grandfathered into a lot of new integrations as a result. And so... Basically, and basically there's a few cases where I, because like I feeling, I have a feeling that most people who are serious about living on crypto will probably have both Bitcoin cash and dash. And depending on where they are or personal preferences, they'll like 90% use one and then they'll have some 10% other. And so that's kind of the position that I'm personally in is I'm like 90% dash and then 10% Bitcoin cash when I need it for something like I want to save on purse or this place only accepts this. Like there's some hot sauce vendor around me that uses Coinbase commerce. And I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going to swap some, some dash over. So I make sure I have some Bitcoin cash so I can actually buy their hot sauce with crypto. And there's the same thing. There's a pizza place not too far from here that just never got set up to take dash. And I haven't talked to the owner and I tried to, and then whatever. So I have to use Bitcoin cash when I want my pizza, that, that specific place. Oh, so the things that make, Dash so useful in my life in particular. BitRefill has always be, obviously been a big one because, I mean, if you just, I would encourage anyone out there to use BitRefill because you can, if you have a variety of coins, but like Litecoin and Dogecoin, but for some reason not Bitcoin Cash, I don't know why, but whatever. You can, you know, you can use it to practically live on crypto in a lot of the, the first world, depending on the country, because the ease of getting gift cards and stuff like that. And that's how I use to pay my phone bill is, you know, I just top it up a bit refill every month. And that one thing really helps out a lot. And if you have an account, which you don't need an account at all, it can be completely anonymous. Just put in an email to send their receipt to. But if you have an account, you can get some, like some minor savings on that. But the, the game changer that came out not too long ago is this app called Dash Direct which is very similar to BitRefill structurally, but the actual user experience is miles ahead where 
it has a, a merchant map and a geolocation. It says, which merchants around you can you spend this at? Oh, here's like a Panera Bread or something. I'll go in there and you can save several percent and you just enter the amount that your bill is, hit buy, it brings up your dash wallet, you hit buy, and then you just get the barcode to scan. And it can, in some cases, be faster than using a card or around the same thing. As long as you, you get good at it, it can be a really easy, smooth experience that basically, I think it's like 155,000 merchants in the US so far. And it's because of the map and because it's all integrated in the wallet and because of how fast it goes, it's basically like live on crypto with one app kind of thing. And it's an enviable user experience. And of course, that's why I'm really promoting it. Um, and of course, I use it a lot. But the thing is, um, they're coming out with some, and I, I'm really hesitant to talk about things that don't exist yet because you know how the world works, but it should be. <laughs> We're just talking about Kim.com now. Yes. We're going to be hyping so, something else. All right. So. Now we're talking about Kim.dash, right? <laughs> right? The dash Kim.com situation. Uh, they're supposedly coming up with a virtual MasterCard implementation this month, maybe, but who knows if it's going to be next year to where you can buy a prepaid or you can buy a virtual like MasterCard that you can spend anywhere, any like card accepting merchant in the wallet for the exact amount you want instantly and then like tap to pay. So in that case, let's just say you go to an independent coffee shop. They say, all right, the total is $26.59. And so you go $26.59, buy, and then hit the tap and pay button, click, and it works. Without losing custody of your funds, right? You only spend the dash that you need for that exact purchase and without KYC, which is the big one. I don't know. Like, I didn't believe it when they said they're they're going to do this. I'm like, how, how can you do like a card that's like, you know, that you can use everywhere and not have limits. And then it was explained to me, but like, it's still kind of almost in a little bit of disbelief, but that alone is just like, at that point, one app will literally let you live on crypto in, in the U S only to start out with, but you know, soon a lot of other places. And that's just something that like, I think everyone should have some dash just to be able to do that. Like if spend, you know, on, purse and the other things like that when you can but everything literally every other fiat transaction just turn into a dash transaction and you can do that that's a huge 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 thing and one of the the, the one of the reasons why the um the ceo of the company that did this decided to look into dash to do it to build this with was because he was skeptical of confirmation for zero conf kind of things like and dash has every single transaction is finalized in under two seconds because this special thing called instant send that kind of just locks them in right away and so that's probably going to make them hesitant to add other things that don't have a similar functionality and that's something that um i don't exactly know where bitcoin cash is headed on this exact issue you probably know a lot more than me the last i paid attention was some talk about like avalanche for like a pre-consensus thing, but then the split happened and then Amari went over and made eCash and eCash is going in that direction. So I don't know if that is like hand cash, like one of those awesome things on Bitcoin Cash that just moved to another project. I don't know. I think they're working on a couple of things um, mm -hmm. a little bit. And I, yeah, I'm not uh, super across the technical details. I probably should read up on them a bit more, but they have mm -hmm. one coming that's going to be called Zero Confirmation 
escrows, which was the idea that you can basically put in a transaction where I'm spending to you $10, but I'm also putting on the line, you know, another $10 or another $100, which any uh, miner can come in and grab, which they're obviously incentivized to do. It would be a lot of money uh, if they can prove that they have, look, you signed to double spend, right? So in that way, you would, I I don't know how instant pay uh, works on Dash, but it's kind of the similar idea, right? And you can obviously set that to whatever parameter you want. So you could make it, you're spending $10 and you're putting a thousand bucks on the line. And obviously, as long as you're not frauding, then you're completely fine to do that, right? But if you are trying to fraud, that that's not going to work out for you very long, you know? Yeah, that sounds similar to, I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to offend people by saying it like that. It sounds similar to like the lightning game theory where the one thing that keeps someone from taking everything in the channel is that like, if it's a malicious close, then you get to keep all their money kind of thing. Uh, but uh, my my gut feeling on this is either, obviously at the protocol level, it becomes like, you can't just say, oh, we'll make everything in. It just doesn't work like that. Like you, you've got to, you got to build something explicit in. I believe that the way things are going to move is a confirmation based on like, either it'll be like BIP 70 type things where it'll have to be, it'll be a little easier to do, but also it'll just be wait times based on amounts. So like if you, if your purchase is like $5 and you, you use a Bitcoin cash transaction with a BIP 70 invoice, it'll just be fine. You're fine. But if it's like a hundred dollars, they might make you wait for a confirmation or something. I, I'm just predicting that's the way the world's going to work with, you know, security and confirmations. Um, I also don't think it's going to go, I don't think it's going to be solved either way until you have a mass influx of people trying to use these coins. Like we're still in a world where BSV got 51% attacked to shit and back and like the price kind of didn't like respond. Like, and everyone is just saying like, well, technically it's not a 51% attack and like, but the fact that you can just say that and it's not like everyone realized your coin's going to zero tomorrow unless you fix that. And, you know, I guess there's a certain extent of like Bitcoin cash that was the same way in terms of it's a small minority of the hash rate on the same algorithm as Bitcoin. It could be attacked at any moment, but then there was some like checkpoint things put in there. And there's also the thing that a lot of these bigger Chinese miners are sympathetic and it's like, okay, that's a little bit, more but a lot of these like uh, i call like fat around the edges of cryptos are just there until they get exploited like solana i'm not a huge solana expert but i do know everyone universally agrees that they're extremely centralized we're not extremely but like not not like ripple levels obviously but like pretty centralized but no one cares and at some point, someone's going to care. At some point, you're going to start seeing things get like, at some point, a government's going to say like, look, Solana nodes in the US, which is like all of them or something. I don't know where they are, but you got to start filtering these transactions out. You got to start not hosting this thing. And when you got to start adding KYC to this. And at that point, the decentralized like benefit is going to start to become more valuable. But um, that's kind of like the the general uh merchant payment thing roundup i have to say it like across the board first off i believe everything on that list 
everyone should try and everyone should try to buy something with everything a few times. Once is not going to cut it. Just the only way an asshole like me talking to you is not going to teach you anything. You know, this guy says, okay, we'll do it. Or you're not going to learn anything. Right. And also this space, this particular space of spending crypto to buy goods and services in the physical world, not in online is the absolute most underdeveloped sector of the crypto economy. And it shows based on just the garbage apps that are out there. Like, I mean, Bitcoin.com is one of the better wallets out there, right? It's still clunky and confusing for everyday commerce because I use it like that. And they're just, um, maybe I should just bring it up right away, right now, do a, like a live critique of the Bitcoin.com, which I still think is a good wall. That's not, I'm, I'm not hating on it. Um, so first of all, the, when I hit send and it makes you pick the asset, like I kind of hate that it should just be BCH by default. And then maybe you can drop down to pick another one if you want another one, or you can set a preference or like, there's, there's a lot of things like that you could do. Yeah. You should just be able to send. And there is a, I like this thing up here, right? The, in the corner and you know, I don't have the money in this right now. But there is the little like QR code button up here on the other side of where it says Bitcoin.com. That's awesome. And, yeah. And you and can do it out awesome. of a picture. Yeah. That yeah, is yeah. Awesome, so if somebody but... sends you a screenshot of the QR code for people yes. who don't know, if some, if I'm trying to send money to somebody else instead of messing around with the little, um, you know, the addresses, but usually scanning the QR code is really quickly. But if we're doing it device to device rather than in person, I can just send like Joel a screenshot of mm-hmm. my QR code. And then they have a little feature that you click in it you pick the photo yeah. on your phone, like from your camera gallery, and then it recognizes that QR code and it fills in the um, address for you. It's actually really nice. Yes. Which uh, side note, one of the mo- huge annoying pain points is moving money from your phone to your computer and back and forth. It's just <laughs> yeah. such a pain and no one's fixed yeah. it yet, but just the, like this QR code scanner is nowhere near the send button. Why? What does this do? Like the only reason I know what that is is because there's a similar functionality when I open up the dash wallet is the first thing when I hit the pin screen, there's a quick scan, quick receive and quick scan. Oh, it does the same thing. And because I know that I know what this button does. Otherwise I'd have no clue. It's like, what, what is that? It needs to be right next to the send kit. Roger, are you listening? It needs to be right next to the send. But that's what I'm saying is these little things. And if just use any pay, like scan, Set up a, if you have a spare tablet, set up any pay on the tablet. If you have a spare phone, set it up. Or if you just borrow your girlfriend's phone or whatever, set it up. Like play merchant for a second. That'll be this much. Ring it up, scan. Try it with other crypto payment. Try out the, the coin payments in-person retail app. Try it with that one. Oh, try it with, a, just try it. And you'll see no one's going to use this stuff. Like it's just not there yet like no one because the demand hasn't been there for the market to meet the demand with a supply of tools to support the consumer adoption it's just not it's just not there yet and all these kinds of things oh just same thing with like the lightning ecosystem there's some good products and services in that ecosystem but despite all that it just like who's gonna say just use lightning like try it it's you're gonna see like how are you gonna get a normie to use this stuff so 
that's basically the big thing. Like there's no good point of sale systems and the, the mobile apps for paying are very clunky at getting, it should just be, I open the app and then the next thing I do gets me to interact with the payment, open the app payment otherwise, or open up finger ID tap and pay. If you can't get that and it works super smoothly with the point of sale system, it's just not going to work. And I have a few, like I have a video of me paying for my croissant with dash at some, something place that accepts any pay. And it's fast, about as fast as a card. It's also doable with Bitcoin cash at that exact location. If that's a good example of exactly what it should look like. If it doesn't look, if it's any slower, any clunkier, any like hit the, like hit the stopwatch. How long does it take from, all right, ready? You, your phone is unlocked. How long does it take to pay? Go. Hit the stopwatch, see how long it takes. And see how many uh, and how many interactions you have to do. Like button, 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 button. Count them. And then count <laughs> the distance your eyes slash fingers have to go between things. Put it all into, into a, a chart. And then just get those down and down and down and down into where it's just like the smoothest you absolutely can make it. That's when you actually start to be have something that real people will use and not just they'll try it once and then that's over. So that was a little bit of a, a ramble on the whole issue, but that's kind of like, yeah, the, the commercial buy stuff in person where you're not at your computer, you know, shoving a piece of pizza in your face while you're just clicking on whatever where it's like the, the time's on, there's someone behind you, like Karen's behind you and she's getting mad because she wants to use your card. Like, like the pressure situations, like get those, get those in and then we can actually move forward with commerce. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, hearing about this stuff and it's true. The point of sale stuff. Yeah. It's definitely not the slickest thing ever. Sort of. I haven't myself put a lot of time and effort and energy into this because i sort of feel like yeah like you're saying the market demand isn't there so actually the most important thing is to get the get the zeitgeist fixed get more and more people Mm -hmm. on board with the idea of crypto like i haven't produced anything yet i probably will at some point but there already are a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. about how to download a wallet and how to send and blah blah blah. i don't have anything like that my content is all about getting you the idea wow cryptocurrency and then if people want to go and look into that stuff they can so it's more about giving them a reason or a motivation um Mm -hmm. but i agree that stuff is 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 going to be kind of coming and it's also going to come more um once that critical tipping point gets hit the kind of coins that are not uh you know planning out this stuff not getting it set up not getting integrated with wallet providers not figuring out better software and whatever all that they'll just start getting roasted by the ones that uh are and then that will probably flow on to the uh, sort of market cap charts where people in real life are starting to use it and spend it and suddenly saying like oh this is this is the best coin because there's a hundred other ones listed here but i can't spend any of them Screw those, you know, <laughs> just like you know, Shiba, like yeah. Shiba, you can't spend that anywhere. And the fees are already high because it's an ERC 20 token mm-hmm. and like, you know, round and round you go. Right. So I, I think, yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely going to see a sort of critical, it's actually really interesting that you say that about, okay. Mm-hmm. So Dash and BCH, it sounds like a sort of kind of the two in the top spot with lightning kind of 
sliding in there uh, at the side for people who are who are yeah. using it all the all the time. But some of those things that Dash is doing, like obviously BCH, we got to get our act together and uh, start copying some of that stuff. It sounds like. So I'll add a couple extra wrinkles to this. One is an additional thing on Dash, which is it's one of those things I super hesitate to talk about because it doesn't exist yet. But years ago, this concept called evolution was sort of promised to the Dash world. It has taken forever, but there is, it exists. It's on test. It's been on testnet for uh, like a year. Hopefully we'll see a mainnet release in the next few weeks to a couple months, but there is a username wallet for Dash. And the difference is the usernames are all on a completely on like a second layer thing on top of the Dash network. So the usernames are entirely decentralized. The contact lists are all decentralized. You friend people. So therefore, if like you lose your funds, you put it in your seed phrase in a completely different wallet. Not only do all your, uh, just all your money come back, but all your contacts are there and all the transaction histories between those usernames are all in there. And it's not like hand cash where you have to trust the company. And it just, and complete like they're all blockchain usernames, right? And that's going to be absolutely huge. And I don't really see much competition in the username space. I'm seeing it heat up a little bit, but it's a lot of just mapping to a centralized address, a or a single address, I should say. And there's no the actual connections between the usernames are nowhere on the actual network. But that's cool. But I'm really, you know, trepidatious about talk hyping up something that everyone's been hyping up for years and gotten burned for it because it just hasn't come out yet so the other thing is um this is just based on a, a slight hunch but i would there might be another contender be that being ecash and i hate to say that because you know everyone hates amari all that stuff however no, no it's go ahead man this is uh you know show for free yes. and open debate you know yes and this is um he's a lot of a, a People have issues with them, and rightly so, but he's thought through things a lot more than people give him credit for. Uh, for one thing, he saw the Bitcoin Cash brand as he saw liability issues with the brand, but more importantly, one, like I don't think he would have ever renamed Bitcoin Cash to eCash if he was still with Bitcoin Cash. Like it's just that once you're Bitcoin, like a different, like he's no. Only Bitcoin Cash has any kind of residual branding benefit from Bitcoin other than BSV, but that's a whole different, you know, ball of wax. Uh, but he said, he basically just said, we have to be able to make, like crypto doesn't work for payments today. We have to make the best money in the world and actually develop it to where it works. And he mentioned a few things like it has to be easy to use. It has to be instant, like all this kind of stuff. And it's funny because he, he said basically... And like, I didn't prompt him at all, but he basically just said, what we want to do, we're, we're basically trying to do what Dash is doing, but our better, but our advantage is that because of the Dash governance system, they're a little bit more bureaucratic. They're slower to adapt to things. We're going to be like the move fast and break things version of Dash. And that's, what's going to work for payments. And I mean, maybe, but the thing is one thing that they did that was they, they, they did a renomination thing, which I kind of was skeptical about at first, but I'm coming around on because now you know, every I'm, I'm an e I'm an eCash millionaire, by the way. Someone gave me one BCHA and now it's like we're, it's a million units of eCash, right? They just 
added a bunch of zeros. It's a chain, like um, a split, yeah, like a stock split, yeah. Yeah, they did that. And I mean, obviously it adds a lot of like low-level retail speculators coming in, but it's just like the fractionality of any any major crypto today that's like based on the 21 million Satoshi thingy. It's just it's just super unworkable, like 0.00589, what, just not going to work. You need something more workable. What they decided to do is just stock split the whole coin. But like, I don't know, is it Bitcoin Cash using bits or something like that today? But like you can do you can do a different wallet display thing. It just it's kind of like herding cats. You got to get everyone together on that. But like that's one thing that's important. Instant confirmations is something that's important. He's like, oh, we're going to use Avalanche for it. And Dash has its own master node based thing. It's like, okay, that. And who knows what else? And it's funny because the Dash community is already talking about maybe doing something similar to what eCash did with the read denomination just because of, you know, the sense, I guess the amount of sense. They're falling, yeah. Well, they feel like they're behind, you know, it's kind of interesting that they, Amori's trying to say like, we're going to be the new Dash, but then this is something also I love about crypto, just not Mm -hmm. to get on too much of a tangent. Competition. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody's like, oh, but the government's going to do a CBDC. Are you kidding me? They're fucking finished. Like there's no way in hell that any government is going to be like, let me just compete with like, you know, BCH and Dash and eCash, like the community sort of organically learning from each other and like, you know, spitting up all this different crap. Like, uh, you know, government can barely make like one app yet, let alone a whole ecosystem and stuff. Anyway, that's a different topic. Jet, I think you you want to get in the discussion here. What what are you thinking about? I have a question. So I agree that um, zero confirmations um, should be scrutinized and like getting things like double spend Mm -hmm. proofs and just more security around zero confirmations is fantastic. But I don't really understand the re-denomination thing at all. To me, Mm -hmm. I don't really... Uh, like I don't give a shit where the zeros are in the number. Like, does the value get sent? Mm-hmm. And I maybe I'm detached, right? Because I I just like I'm a yeah. developer at this point. I look at like large amounts of data in the day to day. So a couple extra zeros isn't going to bug me. But I can't wrap my my head around uh, any real reason aside from like getting the hype of those low re- low uh, retail investors. I don't low isn't. I'm not phrasing this correctly, but you know. Yes, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Let me hit the utility part of this. And this is, by the way, something that's I've been a skeptical of up until like oh, a month ago, like relatively recently, is when we're, remember we're talking about the, the user experience thing, like every little bit of friction piles up and makes someone just so much less likely to even use the service at all. Like people just like won't go like, and that happens sometimes. It's like, if I have to interact with too many human beings to do something, I'll just give up on that. It's just like, oh, like I want to do, you know, I want to do this for a living. Oh, I have to talk to too many people. I'm doing something totally different with my life. It's just like so easy to just, and everyone is like that about some things. Just little, like if five questions in, they're done, right? Or let's say two questions in, but like three questions, like one question in, you're still good. So when we're trying to, right now, the redenomination issue is mostly, I guess, like a, it's mostly like a speculative kind of a thing. It like helps, but here's the thing. It helps um, traders because if someone wants to say, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a small amount of this, they're trying to buy and like, 
people do in like integers. Like, oh, I'm going to buy one little ring light. Yay, I'm going to buy one of these. I'm going to get, you know, two phones. I'm going to get three. That's how they price things. And sometimes they're like, I have $100 to spend on cryptocurrency. Sometimes it's priced to that. But sometimes it's like, I want to buy eight Doge. Okay, I got eight Doge now. I got this. But it's like, I got 0.0005771 Bitcoin. Like it's, it's difficult. It's clunk, a bad user experience to have to go deep into decimals to account for what they have, which is why Bitcoiners have wisely, although, you know, they're not going to change anything, but they've started saying stacking sats, not stacking Bitcoin. Cause like, Oh, I bought a hundred thousand sats. I got like 500,000 sats and like 5 million sats. It's like, I got integers of things. It, it's as a technology, right? It reduces friction for the end user in this case, in an investment. Now, when you're trying to spend it right now, everyone's the unit of count is not crypto and it won't be for a long time. Everyone's using their fiat currency. Oh, I'm going to use $50. I'm going to pay in dash. Okay. And like, who cares what the dash number says under that, as long as it goes through at some point in the future, though, people will be earning crypto. People will be spending it and there won't be fiat in there. And at some point they're going to have to do like a unit. They're going to use it as unit account, like 520 bits for this meal. Like they're going to, it's rather than 0.00, whatever. It just, it becomes a bad user experience. And just like with the phone, the friction, every additional step you have to do makes you less likely to do it. People might just like, there's a complete, they might go for complete shit coin just because they can account it easier. Just because, because that's a user experience thing. That's like, everything's identical. This one has way too high of an inflation rate, but it has a good, you know, accounting system. It's just easy to like 500 of these. This one is perfect, awesome sound money. It's not going to be inflated, but there's just too many decimals. So they just won't use it. They'll just use this other crap. And I really think that it's going to come down to that. And like right now, it's like the, the retail traders, the, the, the little guy. And then it's going to be the retail consumers later. And that's kind of why that, that I think that that will matter, but I'm not going to, if you disagree, I'm not going to give you a ton of pushback because it's still kind of a new thing to my brain. I'm not like a huge advocate of it yet. I, I don't disagree, but I don't really think there's any need to push for it. Like I think uh, mm. when we get to the point where a Satoshi is too expensive for that to even really like, uh, be uh, as its own unit of account then we'll just slap those zeros on the end then like it's a it's like raising the block size in my mind yeah i mean i sort of i i'm i i kind of i watched uh joel had a uh episode that i was watching the other night where he was talking in great detail actually with another guy in uh Dash, I think, called Ryan Wright, who was uh, ta- yeah, and they were talking was about the Friday podcast. Yeah, yeah, they're talking in great detail about uh, you know all the different aspects to this, and kind of part of the issue is not only deciding what is the optimal solution, but also how to get there because every crypto, mm-hmm. you know, you're or like that's the thing about decentralized systems, Nothing right? It's easy. Yeah, no, nobody's in, uh, nobody's in control, and nobody can just decree it. And make, nobody is in fiat; nobody can just make it happen. So, mm-hmm. that, and that's kind of interesting there that you were talking about. Amori just sort of saying, "Well, we're going to be the faster dash because there's no bureaucracy." Why is there no bureaucracy? Because he's basically unilaterally in charge. So that has its mm-hmm. pros and cons, uh, you know, when you yes. think about it. But uh, now on the really, other side of the, the other side yeah. of that, though, what if 
he has a wrong idea and like no one can disagree with him. And then he goes like, we are going used for the art money this, this way. And he goes that way. And it just ends up being a disaster. And then ever, it just, it could go too fast to do a ditch. But on the other hand, like you don't want to not like, I do believe that dash moves too slowly on a lot of things. And I think that that can be a competitive disadvantage long-term. It doesn't mean you need a dictator. It doesn't even mean mean you need to change your governance system. It does, however, mean you, you need to change the culture of being more proactively seeking newer technologies and newer ways of getting to the end goal. But just like when you're when you're driving, you want to see where you are, but then you look left and you look right. Like you want to see what are people paying, what are people spending, how are people spending their fiat, and try to replicate or improve on that experience with crypto, and then. Who are the other people who are doing payments in crypto? What are they doing? Is it any good? What do we have to steal from them? What do we not want to do that they're doing? And otherwise, you know, I think it, it will be probably like a three-way competition. There might be a lot of three-way competitions in in crypto because like you can't have a, a two-way competition is just like the two-party system in the US where it's just like you don't really get what you want. But then there's with three, there might be better. So like, let's just say you got Ethereum and then you got um, cheap made in China Ethereum, which is Binance Smart Chain, right? Which it's cheap and it's shitty, but it's cheap, you know? And then what else you got? Maybe like a Avalanche or a Solana or something. There might be like a three coming around. And Mark so, BCH for the Bitcoin Cash Podcast listeners. <laughs> yes. Well, that's exactly it too. It could be, but you know, then you have like the digital cash use case. And I mean, obviously as far as like, let's just say you put dash lightning, Bitcoin cash, e-cash, I wouldn't say like nano seems to have stalled out. So let's just, you know, whatever, but like for the Litecoin, no one's using Litecoin to buy things. I'm going to hate Litecoin anyway. <laughs> but so let's say you have like those four that are serious about the use case. And I would even say lightning semi-serious because it's more like, oh, this is what we tell people so we can, you know, like half of the Bitcoin, most of the Bitcoin community doesn't care about lightning, really. They just use it as a talking point. And I, and then there are lightning digital cash people who are very different from the Bitcoin hodler maxi people. But anyway, it's probably going to be one of those four is going to not be a serious contender, maybe. And then you have the three fighting it out, you know, and then probably a couple went out to be honest like different flavors of things like for example people say well in the you know safety you know moose was saying the bitcoin standard all this garbage and stuff but like there was a silver standard at the same time right and when the great depression hit a lot all the gold standard countries were affected but the silver standard countries were not affected to the same extent by that global collapse and so like historically there can be more than one there's just just like you know you, you get what i'm saying i'm done rambling on that yeah yeah i mean i think it well we'll, we'll just sort of uh wrap this up and yeah move on mm-hmm. at a certain point but i just think it's very interesting and listeners of the show i think should should take some time to reflect themselves on all of all of what you've said and then also just throw that a bit into you know maybe they're doing their own research or they're listening to other episodes of this podcast or you know yeah look looking at some of the stuff that you put out for instance you mm-hmm. need to uh crypto you know everything is about trade-offs right everything is about trade-offs and every coin is trying to compete you know in this little uh space here then we've got the little DeFi, uh 
you know, just a little stream of things going on. Then this sort of store of value thing, which I think is complete garbage because at the end of the day, people are going to store what they can use, uh, mm. you know, but some coins are sort of rocketing off down that uh, path. You have the governance aspects with different coins, have different ways of doing things. You have different communities, like you were saying with the branding, you know, different coins have like pros and cons to how they've managed their branding or with Bitcoin SV pissing off certain people, you know, community relations, like, because in decentralization, it's all so messy and everything is on such a huge, it's chaotic and amazing. I absolutely love it, but uh, it's very, very messy. So, uh, you know, the listeners can have a lot of fun thinking about all the different coins or investigating them. And it's up to each individual to determine where, what, what is the Goldilocks mix basically that makes the uh, perfect coin. So Obviously, I think it's BCH, but uh, you know everybody. Everybody should make their own judgment. They should be very aware of those uh, different things because only once you know where the weakest points of your coin are, can you sort of attack and fix them or learn who is doing it better in that regard that you can kind of copy off. So, anyway, I, I want to uh, yeah just wrap that up and um, move on. But uh, yeah, that was that was super super fascinating and insightful. Uh, yeah, thanks. That was. That was really good. So meme of the week here. <laughs> We've got this one comes from Nathan C. Ross. I just mm. this one just made me laugh, which was uh it's a like a mock news article. Uh and it's got a picture of these people standing on this lush green hill looking out yeah. over a valley like, you know, explorers in the new world of yeah. optimism or whatever. And the title is God develops ultra realistic metaverse where people can talk, learn and work with other people calling it universe. And exactly like we were talking about before, sometimes the humor just comes from just flipping things, you know, flipping your expectations. And Mm -hmm. it's just so funny because uh, personally I'm a bit meh on the metaverse. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot there and probably I'm not aware of a lot of it. So I'm sure that's also Mm part of it but on the other hand it is just kind of like especially with facebook trying to you know move in on it all this kind of stuff going on it's sort of like guys are we really all just gonna plug ourselves into our computers when there's still so much outside in the real world um i don't know that's just it made it made me laugh it was a genius take by whoever whoever made this it is pretty funny i like i in my youth not for a long time i was a gamer and I hated The Sims. I never wanted to play The Sims because I, like, why do I just want to, like, go to work on a computer? Like, I it just, you get off work and then you go back into work for your, your little digital, like, why? Like, why? It's limitless. It's escapism. It's a limitless imagination and possibilities. Why would you go back to your freaking job with, when you could do anything? It's like, what do you want to do? I want to be in a house and like mow the lawn. Like, why? I want to go talk slay to people. Dragons. Yeah. Go slay dragons. Go blow things up. Go like build a new universe in Minecraft or whatever. Like, do whatever you want. Just why do you choose to do that? But that being said, I am wrong. I am. People not love that. Yeah. People. They people's I have an awesome life. People's lives are shit. Therefore, they will be in the metaverse all the time. The old Ready Player One is coming, and it will be interesting if it if it starts out being a sort of proxy for the real world. But Mm -hmm. then, yeah, you know, we'll start adding in more sort of World of Warcraft type, you know, slay the dragon quests or Mm -hmm. NFT costumes that are really hype and make you a metaverse celebrity i'm sure all that stuff is coming uh we'll wait to see you know what happens with it but 
I at least to date, I haven't really even with all the lockdowns and being stuck inside and stuff. I still didn't get over the the hump to being like, wow, I should really get involved in this. So, of course, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just not quite there for me yet. All right, uh, community comment of the week. This one goes out to Jess Bitcoin OG Jessica Martinez, who is a sort of recent Twitter account that has popped up. She posted, she said, for new people who have not heard of BCH before, I want to give a shout out to Bitcoin Cash Podcast and BitcoinCashPodcast.com along with whybitcoincash.com. These resources will really help you to understand what Bitcoin really is about and always has been about. So I, I want to say thanks to her because I did you know, appreciate uh, getting this feedback, but I also want to highlight it for a separate reason, which is according to her little uh, Twitter bio, you know, this is a 2011 uh, Bitcoin adopter who has just kind of come out of the woodwork making this recent uh, Twitter account. And I want to just, yeah, tie it into my little narrative or my little theory that I've had going, which is that we'll see more and more of the old Bitcoiners start to see, wait a second, Bitcoin Cash has still got the X factor and come back and start adding a bit more oomph into the community. Um, and it seems like this might be one example of that. And last week I was um you know talking about other indications that that things were kind of trending in that direction with my interview with luke Pryor as well so you can see a couple of the early bitcoiners maybe starting to sort of find their way back into into bch um and so yeah i i just i i thought that that was great and i think that's you know bitcoin cash it, it just needs a a bit more the engine needs to just click into gear a little bit and sort of similar to where we were talking about the coinflex and the bitcoin.com um stuff starting to click together i can just sort of see a few of these pieces i don't know if you've got any thoughts on this definitely um one thing i've noticed so new blood is what we need and like having been in crypto for you know eight plus years just there's a lot of stuff that's happened and the problems facing some of the problems facing probably like we're talking about BSV and all that annoying baggage, both dash and Bitcoin cash had insane amounts of redheaded step tiled of crypto baggage, just like all the B cash, all the nonsense all the way. And then like Dash's wave came before a little bit, like all like the Monero people, which, you know, I'm kind of, more much more friendly with them today but there was a lot of people they were like sending me death threats and stuff a bunch of weird like there was a lot of like craziness and you know it's a scam and like all this craziness back in the day and it just like oh are we ever going to get over all this stuff and now like all those people just moved on any new person does not care like what is the block size debate what are the block size wars it's nothing it doesn't exist the average person new person comes into crypto oh i heard about this stuff i want to use it well bitcoin cash is great for payments awesome how does it work oh i like it like that's literally what they're going to do and you're going to say well but you know it's not the real one and this known scammer roger veer and all like uh, they won't care they just do not care no one cares and so i don't like it is cool when you see some ogs move over that's always like a little cherry on top but that's not the that's not the the meat of the thing the meat of the thing is new blood because new blood does not care about the other stuff. New blood is always going to be impressed when they find something cool. And on the other side, new blood is not going to care how old and established the project is necessarily. They're just going to care if it works for what they want to do. 
And if it sucks, if it's lagging behind, then they won't care about the project at all. But I think that new blood is the way it's the way to go. It's the, the, that childlike wonder of their first crypto transaction. It's funny because one of my friends who's working, he's trying his best to be living entirely unbanked off of crypto as well. He's like really on fire about this stuff. I was like talking to him like, well, what was your first crypto and what went Like, oh, I got in 2017. I first crypto ever was BitConnect. I'm just like, oh God. But no, like he's still around and he's super excited about crypto. It's like, wow, okay. Like it doesn't matter what your entry point is. If you bought it, if you aped into Doge and then it just like didn't go where you wanted it to. But you, how do you get into crypto and just be like, yeah, that's enough for me. I'm going to go back to fiat. You can't. You're out of the matrix. Like, new people new people new people it's kind of like that old uh microsoft thing developers 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 like new people new people new people yeah that's that's what really really matters yeah some thoughts to you jet yeah uh this is kind of a callback and i don't know Mm -hmm. um i'll just get into it joel uh i don't do you remember i i first met you in 2017 on Facebook, oh surprisingly enough, um, in I think it was two groups. It might have just been one. Do you remember the Anarchrypt Facebook group? Oh, yeah, the one that my my buddy Chris Webb runs. Yeah, it was like, oh, did we fight? <laughs> did I call you mean things? Uh, well, we put, didn't put the, put the screenshots up if you did, because this would be hilarious. A great reunion. Uh, I don't think we ever got into it. I definitely did with Chris a few times, but um, yeah, he. Uh, He's a little little prickly. He's a great dude, but he's a little prickly. <laughs> um, but I was in part of the group that forked mm-hmm. off into Anarchrypt V2, interestingly enough. Oh, so you know Virgil. Uh, yeah, I kind of... I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know I'm him. Sorry. I watched him in that group. I saw that he ran mm-hmm. the show, essentially. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know anything about him beyond that. But that's where I met Mark Damasel as well. Um, yeah, and He's a cool dude. I feel like that group was very diverse and still, well, horribly like mean at some point. Like <laughs> there was definitely mm-hmm. some 4chan energy in those groups. Yeah. Um, I felt as a newcomer into crypto at that point, like those were mm-hmm. some of the most resourceful groups to learn about things, and I don't think that mm-hmm. uh, newcomers now have that. Even even just to yeah. argue, everything's so almost siloed off. Well, definitely not on Facebook because no one uses Facebook. But um, there's a lot of newcomers on crypto Twitter. And crypto Twitter is a very interesting spot. I I have to say Twitter is both the devil and God at the same time. Like Twitter, obviously, and I'm fully prepared to be off of Twitter in the next five years or so if it goes down the path. I think it it is now that Jack's leaving because – Jack, despite everything, is probably a decent guy. And I don't know. He doesn't like censorship and stuff. He, But the way things are going now that he's gone is probably like really not good. But that being said, the cool thing about Twitter is you can have Mike, like not because people fight over Facebook groups all the time because they fight over Reddit forums all the time. Our Bitcoin, anyone, right? And then there's our BTC, which has nothing to do with BTC anymore. And it's, it's just such a shit show just because Thamos and all this stuff and like the Bitcoin talk forums, like all that history, like all that, like group. The good thing about Twitter is there's no groups. They're just organic. People gather organically around topics, 
which is it's cool because no one's fighting over that stuff. But also the cool thing about Twitter, and I don't know why I'm shilling Twitter, honestly, but is it's so easy to just cross over into a different stream. It's not boxed. Some of the best discussions in the world are set in private little groups that never get outside of that. But like, let's say a newbie joins crypto, crypto Twitter, joins like the thread on like the announcement of this podcast. I was listening to this podcast. I'm oh, new to new to crypto, new to completely new to crypto. What is this thing he's talking about with like known scammer and why, who's this Roger guy who's like a known scammer? Why isn't like what's this? And then you have this giant learning experience right on the thread. But the cool thing about that is you can just export that to just anything else. Like I retweet it, let's say, and some mutual friend who like follows me or something is like, oh, now they're exposed to that thing too. It's just like, you can't keep a lid on it. And just because there's a bunch of annoying maxis on Twitter, like if you look at the president of El Salvador's Twitter feed, there's a lot of like sycophant maxis in his mentions, but there's also some, some spice. And I like, I can read Spanish and because of that, you can see some people saying like, what are you doing with your people with this or that? Or like he says, like he said, like there's no COVID mandates or there's no vaccine mandates or mass mandates or whatever. Come here, Bitcoin paradise. And people in Spanish as mentioned are saying, that's absolutely not true. I have to do wear a mask everywhere I go here. You're lying to the whole world. What the hell are you doing? And it just like could just get right in there. It's not like you have this little circle jerk group where all the information is just contained. So I do think like Twitter is kind of where the crypto world is moving to as far as like that experience. But I don't think that'll be the last. There will be a bunch of other things. How's noise.cash doing these days? It's doing, it's doing pretty good. Just before I get onto that, I, I just want to make a bit of a comment on Twitter. So I yeah. think, you know, Twitter is so interesting because I've never, I was never big on social media. I hated all that stuff. I quit Facebook in 2011, yeah. all of this stuff. Like there's not really that much, you know, history of, of mm-hmm. me and, and a lot of these things but and with twitter the same too but i only got involved in it because i was thinking look how am i gonna promote this podcast or whatever and so mm-hmm. i've been you know learning about it over the last year and it's such a, a unique kind of environment like you're saying because of the way that um the way that the dynamics between you know like elon musk he's got 61 million followers or whatever and he can just like shake the earth on twitter like any one of his things gets liked and retweeted and spread out to so many people that he can, you know, really get in the mix uh, a lot, but still not like dominate the discussion anyway. Uh, you know, it's still only the people who are really sort of paying attention to his stuff, but he can, he can do that. And then there's sort of like, it goes down. So like people who are in the couple of million followers, they're like still pretty heavy hitters and they can, mm-hmm. you know, get involved. And then you have people like when you're in the hundreds of thousands, you know, there's a few, um, like I don't think the ones I follow, like a few of these BDC, you know, Maxi, there's a couple of them or like um, Nassim Taleb is another like one that sort of gets in the mix or whatever. And then it goes down. There's people in the tens of thousands, you know, and then people in the like, you know, sub 10,000 and sub 1000 and, 50 or whatever and so you know you can uh but you can uh, when you're a bigger like account the bigger your account is you can sort of shove people around a little bit because if you Mm -hmm. reply to their reply you know people are going to be by default more on your side because you have more followers who like what you're already thinking about but on the other hand it works the other way too where even if you're a small account you can kind of get in the mix where if you can uh comment on somebody's big post if they 
you've got a good point or they want to argue with you or whatever and they argue back well then suddenly you're on this huge like uh distribution uh you know it's a very very interesting uh dynamic but yeah noise dot cash is actually doing pretty great i mean they've been experimenting with different things but it's still like i still use it fairly regularly could use a few tweaks and stuff to be you know, I'm sure they're still working out the the kinks and the, you know, but it is slowly just creeping up to be a little bit more Twitter-like and, and I do use it. It's got, uh, I thought it might be, oh, people would check it out. Haha, you can make 10 cents, cool, and then stop using it. But it's developed its own little community and its own little echo chambers, basically its own little, um, you know, conversations and people comment on my things there that are, you know it's pretty easy to just copy and paste across from twitter onto noise or, or back and forth and then they do generate slightly different discussions and have slightly different groups of people following me and stuff so i think that you know that might surprise a lot of people if that can mm-hmm. build up um some traction if twitter gets a bit too heavy-handed on the on the censorship and stuff especially because the whole crypto integration part is so interesting like there's mm-hmm. a few people on there that you just see like that's a sick comment you just tap qr code and you just send them three dollars and you're like that that is so awesome i i, I really yeah. love doing that so yeah it's coming along i think yeah now are my favorite people on there so i'm on memo and unfortunately there's a couple people who hate my guts over there um i don't know if you know like the legendary twatter i don't know if you know I that guy know all this stuff no, i don't know about memo few... Doctor. i i know it's that like... name <laughs> yes do you know that name and then uther is some other weird yeah dude. yeah and and they're like the muted people and and so like every once in a while i'll just look through my notifications and it's just like muted comment muted comment muted comment and i was like what is this and i like unmute one of them you're a piece of shit shill scammer okay remute <laughs> you know it's just there's some interesting character that is wondering if they'd filtered over to noise as well i haven't haven't had any problems with them oh. so far but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Like, and and that's another story as well. I think that is going on in the world at large. Probably, you know, outside the scope of this exact uh, podcast. But the way that conversation is decentralizing as well, too. Like, you know, it's for crypto specifically. It started on, you know, our Bitcoin and Bitcoin talk. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and then it got onto Twitter, and then now it's on Noise.Cash. And it's in a lot of Telegram groups, and I'm sure there's Discord groups, and there's people talking peer to peer, and there's all this stuff. So as as more and more of the the world conversation starts happening and it's, it's just fragmenting out a million different mm-hmm. ways and the ability for any coin to control their image or their, you know, uh, reach or whatever has, has just fragmented completely, which is both a good and a bad th- thing, you know, but ultimately that's the way it's going to work. So uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. That's been a thing with crypto as a whole too. It used to be, like the crypto top 10 list was just like, Oh, these are the real projects. And now it's just like, there's so many pieces, there's so much crypto that's like not being like, it just so many crypto users just know a certain amount of things. Mm -hmm. It's not like anyone knows all all the main things. And like, for example, uh, if like I put all my stuff on Odyssey, which is on the library network and they have like, over 30 million monthly users and so that's a lot yeah that's market cap ranking it's like 888th place or something like that it's just like nowhere it's like okay well how many daily users does solana have 
is it more than library? I don't even know. Probably not. Probably not at this point yet. It might be very soon, but, and it's like this disparity, like people don't know that exists. People don't like new crypto people don't know the Bitcoin caches and the dashes of the world and stuff. They just don't know. They don't know like, oh shit, I can use this stuff everywhere. Like I can spend this. Like they don't know it because they're all aping into Terra Luna right now. And they're like, oh, this is the thing over here, the stablecoin platform I can do all my DeFi stuff on. And it's just people are in completely different worlds. And it's it's almost it, it's almost like um, you know, you're like a, a revolutionary under an oppressive regime or something, and you just like randomly run into another revolutionary group you didn't even know exist. You're like, oh hey, ooh, you too. Oh, what do you got? Oh, you got the rocket launchers. Oh, we don't we've been looking for those. Like it's just it's yeah, it's a cool thing. I think it's cool that people it, I think it's going to be cool when you start to unite these separate groups. I, I like that it's decentralizing that no one has control over one big discussion, but I'm also looking forward to try to like crossing over over here, see what's going on over here and then getting some cross pollination going, you know, which is again, why you get like a not exclusive BCH guy on your podcast now. And I was on Monero talk and I was like, everyone's ever like everyone's talking to everyone and that's, that's good that not everyone's talking to everyone all the time, but enough people crossing over kind of helps. We're the, we're the day walkers. It's, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, you want to have a community that is, that is open and stuff to those ideas because yeah, mm-hmm. you just diversity makes you stronger in terms of the, you know, no, no coin is an Island uh, really. And, and I guess where this all comes to a head, you know, I think of classically mm-hmm. is at an actual crypto meetup now, like these ones that I went to in London a couple of months back. It's a mess when you show up there. It's so interesting, the conversations that come out of that because you have people with all sorts of different experience levels, all sorts of different favorite coins, all sorts of different sort of discussions that they've been, you know, involved in on all these different mm-hmm. platforms and stuff. And what actually, you know, come, comes out of that mix is, is absolutely uh, fascinating. And I'm sure it will be a rapidly yeah. evolving scene you know i just put a lot more stock in we've got 10 people in a park what are they talking about i think that's a much stronger indicator than what's getting retweeted on twitter just because it's real people that showed up and are you know uh are there to to contribute so anyway that's um that's kind of interesting all right so last uh last little segment for the show then message to the community so uh, obviously you're part of the Bitcoin cash community. You have some Bitcoin cash. You did say, uh, you know, you've got the, the dash majority, but, uh, you know, just as much as anyone, you're, you're definitely qualified to, to talk to the, the listeners of this show, or, you know, obviously I try and make like the Bitcoin cash community in general under the idea that you talk to a few people and then they talk to a few people and, you know, the, the idea sort of gets out there if it's a good one. So yeah. What, what do you think the Bitcoin cash community in specific needs to hear? What, what should they be thinking about? What are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? Uh, what do you, what do you love and what are you hating? Anything? What, what do you think they need to hear? Uh, so, I love that it still has this feeling of the remnant, like the the last faithful, like the, it's still like all the nonsense that's all the forks, all everything that's like washed through and there's still people trucking along. Right. And that's, and holding true to the original vision. And there's, I mean, ideological purism is not something you can take to the market, but it needs to be, there is something about, as an underpinning behind everything you do because otherwise you end up becoming like xrp or something you know it just does just goes off the rails and um 
I definitely appreciate the recent, I would say, evolutionary ideas of let's not just wait for people to like wake up and realize that this is everyone should be using this. It's like no one's ever going to do that. Let's be honest. But like you have to evolve to meet consumer demand. And that's like the biggest thing is like, as I mentioned with the free market, like obviously you can see key utility in a censorship resistant means of payment backed by sound money. That's obviously, you're not going to want to give that up. And at the same time, you got to figure out how to get in, get satisfy consumers, actual demands, real consumers, like, and not conceptual consumers, not the mythical customer, like the real ones. Like, what do they actually want? Why are people buying all these coins? What do they want them for? What do they want to do with them? What would people really love to do? Like, what is it that noise cash does that Twitter doesn't that people really want, for example, and like focus in on those kinds of things. And uh, I don't know if this is still, I haven't really heard a lot, but like take it from like the BSV people uh, or you know, they're not going to agree with you. That's what I'm saying. But look at the BFC community and realize no one cares what the real Bitcoin is. That doesn't exist. It's just what, like, it's a, it's a arbitrary thing that people come up with as like a value. And the BSV people have really focused hard on that. And I don't think that's really worked out for them super well. And I think the, I mean, the market's not really showing that it has, but whatever. Uh, People care about what, when you say is the real Bitcoin, find what that actually means and focus on that. Like what is, what is, so what is the real Bitcoin? Like, what does that entail? And focus on that rather than the, I guess the, the religious right, as it were, of just repeating is the real Bitcoin forever and ever, you know, you want to, you want to make sure to get the underpinning of what, why do you care about that to begin with? And let's see what else. Um, I don't know. I mean, keep, keep, keep innovating. Uh, Keep, I would say the biggest thing that communities in crypto, the old school ones, have done poorly is, oh, historically, I would say, historically done poorly is find a way to realistically collaborate and coexist with other projects. The problem is you have people that are either doing like the Litecoin thing, which is like, hey, me too, please. And like, okay, well, no one cares. Like, you don't need to exist. Like, it's okay to be like, we're the best X and we're not taking second place, but that doesn't mean, so you could do that at the same time as you can cooperate with other things, which is like one of the biggest use cases for Bitcoin cash today for me is ThorChain. It's on ThorChain. I can, I'm providing liquidity with Bitcoin cash on ThorChain today and earning rewards and stuff and fees on that. And that's great because ThorChain is a different project, but the good thing also is if you do that, for example, and you have people moving in and out of Bitcoin Cash, which means they have there have to be people who are fans of other coins that are using it, that increases the fees that liquidity providers on ThorChain earn, which means you can earn more with Bitcoin Cash by just, which means much number go up if you buy Bitcoin Cash. It's, it's like a virtuous cycle by not only using a, another platform, ThorChain, another chain, but also having people going in and out of Bitcoin Cash from other projects. So getting that all tied together, the crypto world has like a lot of stuff. Like, I don't know, uh, there's some NFT platforms and stuff that might maybe 
do the NFT business better, but you might want to be like, well, what are you going to buy your NFTs with? Or what are you going to do with your NFT profits? Why don't you switch over from let's arbitrarily pick wax, like the wax blockchain. Let's just, if you can switch back and forth with Bitcoin cash or do a co-promotion of some kind, you can have people like you create a cool NFT, you make a whole bunch of wax tokens off of that. And then you just flip to Bitcoin cash to buy stuff off a purse or something. Slip it with Thorchain and then the Thorchain people get paid, right? That's just an example. So just get that cross community cooperate only where it makes sense. Don't just pander to people because we like me too. No. So there you go. Yeah. No, great, great thoughts. I mean, definitely uh I would I would have some I agree with a lot of that, but I would I would mm-hmm. definitely uh you know, get into some of the details of, of some of that mm-hmm. too, but maybe we'll have to do that. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to do that yeah. another time because uh, we, we've, we've certainly uh, put in the put in the hours tonight already. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really that uh, does it then for the show. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. As always, the FAQs, recommended resources and so on and so forth are at BitcoinCashPodcast.com. You can check that out. You can find the show on YouTube, not on Odyssey. I do mean to do that, but uh, you know, there's just only so much time in the day. But YouTube, uh, you can follow I'll help me you on out when the time on, comes. On, <laughs> on, on Twitter, CEO awesome. lives in the next town over from me. Anyway, we're good. All right, so yeah, yeah, sick. No, I've got some uh, library tokens. I tried to set it up one. T- I, I don't know. I'll talk to you about it. There's uh, there's a lot of other stuff that happened, but yeah, th- thanks as always to the. Uh, don't haters. I love you all. It's uh, excellent. Thanks for uh, supporting the show. Jet, do you have anyone you want to uh, shout out? Not today. No I shout have, out from you. Yep. You're I'll next be. up. Yep. Shill yourself well, and uh, anyone else you want to. Well, you, well you, can, you can shill me. But the first thing, I'll share Eleanor Blanc. I don't know if she, she's a, a Bitcoin Cash community person. I really like her podcast, Humans of Crypto, because I listen to very few crypto podcasts. Oddly, I should probably listen to more honestly, because so many of them, like the ex, there's just so much content out there, but I always learn something on her show. So, you know, hit her up. Crypto Canal is what it is, but Eleanor is great. And yeah, that's, that's the person I'll, I'll show. Yeah. She's recommended uh, on, on the YouTube channel for Bitcoin Cash podcast. She's one of the mm-hmm. people in the BCH uh, community. So you can find it there. And yeah, I do. I do recommend it. it's definitely a different angle as well too, like uh, mm-hmm. compared to this show, which is more about sort of the, the content, exactly like the name says hers is, is based around people, you know, and she finds, she gets mm-hmm. a specific story uh, kind of narrative out of someone. It's not necessarily as much related to a specific coin or, or anything like that as well either, which is a very, mm-hmm. very different uh, way of looking at it. And so where can people find you as well? I mean, I'll put some links in the show notes, but yeah. So I, I'm on Twitter at the desert links desert is in dry place. Links is in kitty cat, not dessert Linux. Don't go there. Oh, so I'm the desert links on Twitter and my channel is called digital cash network on YouTube, digital cash network on odyssey, digital cash network, Instagram, TikTok. It's all digital underscore cash underscore network on those, but just look it up. It's going to be everywhere. I have a video series. It's a little older, like as in I did it like a year and a half ago, but I'm probably going to do more. It's called How to Live on Crypto. If you just search those terms, How to Live on Crypto on any of these platforms, you'll find it. It is literally a how-to guide. Most of it is dash heavy at this point, but I do want to do a, a updated one-off series of videos that's like how to live on Bitcoin Cash, 
how to live on Monero, how to live on Lightning, which might be a little more challenging, but whatever. I'll, I'll probably try to put it in. So if you just care about how to do it, and if you contact me on any of these platforms, just let me know how much you actually care about making a how to live on Bitcoin Cash. And if a lot of people reach out, like, I really want that one, then I'll, I'll make that one first. Yeah, well, I definitely want that because I'm working on an intro thing for my uh, website that has like a one hour breakdown of of crypto for people who just right from the start of what is Bitcoin, what is this whole money Mm -hmm. revolution, all that stuff. But I'm not going to be going into any of the practical details of that. So I'm going to be looking for some Mm -hmm. resources I can put at the bottom like, and now you understand in theory, in practice, this Mm -hmm. is how it all kind of plays out. So yeah, we'll definitely have have links to that um, at the bottom. So yeah, that... That does it. And uh, my shout out goes to kimchi underscore all day, every day, who's in the Twitch chat right now, asking if we're into crypto mining. The answer is no, but it's super cool. But if you want to look into that, definitely do. But just be aware that you will need probably a couple uh, million dollars uh, and a huge warehouse to make any Mm -hmm. money. But if you uh, you should definitely find out about how it works and stuff, and uh, maybe mine some small coins and uh, yeah, give it a go. Crypto mining is definitely uh, fascinating. And thanks also to Andley as well, who's mm-hmm. also in the chat. So much love to the live viewers. Anyway, that will do it. Uh, <laughs> you got a custom PC yeah. for your mining. Well, that that might not quite cut it, but <laughs> you'll you'll hey. find that out for yourself. Look look into it. Look into it. Um, find some find something to GPU mine. Then you might GP, be able to get somewhere. GPU mining. Look 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 that up. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Well, that will do it for the show. Then uh, thanks for listening, and uh, till next time. <laughs>